in five, four, three, two, one. Henry Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your hubbubber. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Alright. 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 Alright, alright, alright. Welcome in, everybody, to Thursday, January 11th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios. If you'd like to get your MBA, but maybe you've got a full-time job already, the MBA from the University of Louisville College of Business now can be done with evening classes. You also have remote and online classes. So any way you want to get your MBA is possible in this day and age. You can get it for at just 12 months in person, 20 months online. And you can feel like you're being paid to do so in the process. For more information on how this is possible, visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the city of Louisville and far, 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 far beyond. You know what's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford and Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Ding, is here with you on a celebratory Thursday. How about this? For the first time in 738 days, we're coming to you on the heels of a Louisville men's basketball road victory. I, I, I feel like we need some celebratory music, Scooter. Yeah, it seems like it. I, sh I should have had something planned out. What an exciting thing. I, I, I'm I so excited to not talk coaches for three hours yeah, or don't, even don't two hours. Just maybe an hour. I'm hoping we can just set all that aside for today and just be happy for what we have, and that is a big road win, a, a great road win last night, a Louisville team that – Played hard and did all the necessary. Man, I, I'm I'm excited to talk about winning basketball today. I'm hoping for world peace as well. Yeah, we can't all get what we want, and we can go back to the negative stuff tomorrow. But for today, let's just focus on what we have. We will talk about what we want to talk about, and then the text line. I'm sure we'll do what the text line's going to do. But for the most part, I, I, I would like to keep the focus on you know the positives that are out there, and it's. It is a it's a multi layered situation for sure. It's not as simple as they won a game. Let's get excited about it. I'd like it to be. It's kind of the way that I feel. But certainly there are different elements going on here. But it's. I was thinking about the the music today, and I know you've got some some stuff in store. But all I could think of, and it made me laugh last night when this came in my head, was the day that Trevor got his ACT scores on air, mm -hmm. and he was so thrilled to get a fourteen, and he just started with every rejoin. He was playing like the most, like I'm on top of the world. Hey, <laughs> like <laughs> R. Kelly, world's if it, greatest. If this if this game was on Tuesday, that would have been somewhat along the theme for yeah. yesterday. But with it being Thursday, I, I, I got to stick to the country. Hey, I made but it. But it's gonna be. I'm the world's greatest. It's gonna be a similar type of thing today. Good. So. I mean, I, I think we all. 
We all earned that one yeah. last night. And, and you know, Louisville, first of all, let me just say, we had the first ever, I don't know if you've ever done it on KRC, but yesterday we had the first ever uh, Scooter Dingus guarantee. <laughs> you called out, you're like, hey, you have the Mike Rutherford guarantee, here's a Scooter Dingus. Like, they're not winning this game. Like, Louisville, you, you guaranteed Miami would win. So the first ever guarantee that you've ever had in your life on this radio show and maybe on this radio station uh, wound up not coming true. So there was that last night. That was wonderful. Yeah, no, I'm a jinx machine. You can ask the guys over at KRC. I, that's all I do is jinx things. So Well, it wasn't just you, though. So yeah. in the middle, no, you said it on ACC Network. Oh, I thought we were going to lose. <laughs> I mean, we're sixteen and a half point underdogs. I, I did not guarantee though. The Mike Rutherford guarantee is sacred. That's true. I'm yeah. not just throwing that around willy nilly. I can I, confirm you didn't guarantee. When I say something's going to happen with a guarantee, it's it's going to happen. But it wasn't just you. We also had. I mean, Patrick mentioned this during the show. Patrick, we had Patrick Young, Patrick Ryan in studio yesterday, and he sent me the text that T.J. Walker sent him in the middle of the show. And TJ said, ask Mike what makes him think that this team will win any more games. They're running out of players, and the ones that are left have quit. They look as bad as they ever have in the KP era. And like I was like, you know, I still think they're – Patrick brought it up on the air, and I was like, I still think they're going to win some games. I didn't think they were going to win last night, but I was like, the ACC is down. You know, they, they still play hard for the most part. They, they'll run into a team that has a bad night when they have a good night, and they're going to win a couple more games. So – I think what we found is that the key to success for the Louisville men's basketball program under Kenny Payne is a- an injection of negativity from the Kentucky Roll Call folks. <laughs> we need more scoots saying we got no chance. We need more TJ saying we got no chance. Uh, and-, and maybe we'll win some more games. Having said that, I think you guys were pretty pretty much uh, on the Louisville has no shot against Kentucky bandwagon, and-, and that didn't go well for us. But last night, everyone was wrong. And, and that was the thing about the game, too, was it was – it wasn't like last year where when you came into that Georgia Tech game, and even the Clemson game, when you were honoring the 2013 team, I think there were a lot of Louisville fans who were like, I think they might be able to get this one tonight. Like I, I think I actually out, went out and predicted a win for the Georgia Tech game just because Georgia Tech wasn't very good and we'd been kind of coming close. Last night came out of bleeping nowhere. <laughs> You've got a Miami team that is, yeah, I know they were coming off of an overtime loss to Wake Forest, but had been very good at home, 9-0, and at home this season, had won 25 of their last 26 home games. Super talented offensive roster, bringing back three starters from a Final Four team. Uh, they shoot the, the three ball incredibly well. Best rate in the country going into last night. We don't defend the three at all. It, it just seemed like I mean, they were 16.5-point favorites for a reason. It seemed like everything on paper said this is going to be a walkover game. Maybe Louisville keeps it a little bit closer than you think. Maybe they, they keep it interesting. Maybe they cover the spread, but there's no way in hell they're going to win. And if you watch the game last night, it wasn't a fluky win either. No. Like, like Louisville wins 80-71 to 71 in a game where, if we're being just frank about it, they played better than Miami, and they played harder than Miami. And even when Miami kind of started to stop, it, it, it did get the sense of, like, Miami's just kind of screwing around for the first however many, like, you know, 35 minutes. It was, it was like yeah, they're sort of toying with us and not giving maximum effort, when they buckled down with about six minutes to go, when the realization got in their minds that we may actually lose this thing, you know, they hit us with a couple of quick flurries to tie the game after we'd led by five. They did it again when we answered. And you're kind of thinking, all right, I've seen this song and dance before. This team's going to fold. And instead, with the game on the line and both teams on level footing, Louisville made the plays they needed to to win, and Miami didn't. So it was a it was an earned victory. I think that 
I saw some Louisville fans who afterwards were like, come on, guys, are we really we're dumping water bottles on Kenny Payne's head? We're celebrating. Like, they earned the right to do that. They, they, after all the crap that they've been through, and a lot of it is self-inflicted for sure. I'm not saying the fans are wrong for being so down on a team that had been 9-37 and over the past couple of years, but it's still tough on the players. It's still tough on the coaches. For at least one night, they earned the right to celebrate like they just won a conference championship, and I'm glad they did because they – it was a, it was a deserved moment for that entire locker room. Is that the most surprising win for Louisville in your lifetime? Oh, in lifetime, like I I want to know the games that are right there with it. I mean, because for me, I can't I can't think of any instances. But I mean, then again, I'm not a Louisville fan. But I, I imagine last night's win has to be up there in it's terms so, of most un, yeah. or most surprising wins. It's so hard to compare it to anything else because you know. At no other point in my life has Louisville basketball been in the spot where it's like, you know, we're because you know, Miami's a good team, don't get me wrong, but they're not a great team. The, the, the computer rankings don't like them for a reason. They're 62nd on Ken Palm right now. Their resume suggests that, especially after taking a quad four loss to us last night, like they may struggle to make the NCAA tournament. They're, they're not a lock to be an NCAA tournament team, but we were a 16 and a half point underdog in, 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 to that same team. So it, it, I'm just so not used to being in this position because. The other shocking wins in Louisville history have been where, like, Louisville's still been a damn good team. And you you didn't expect them to lose. Right. Whereas you go into that game last night expecting them to lose. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, I mean, there have been games that Louisville has won over the years where I expected them to lose, but it, like, it wasn't a shocking deal. Like, I, I think back to um, Denny Crumbs last year in 2000, I guess that would have been 2001. They beat like a really good Cincinnati team late in that year when they had no business. In 1998, 97 98, Louisville, a team that winds up finishing 12 and 20, beats a Kentucky team that winds up winning the national title. Like, that's the one. And, and I think we looked up the point spread because we were trying to figure out if this was, if, if this year's game would have been the biggest upset in the history of the Louisville Kentucky rivalry. And I think the spread for that 97 game was like 18, 19 points. Because it was more than this year's, I know that for for it was it was like twenty and a half or something like that. So so like that upset probably bigger than than last night. So I'll, I'll say that was probably the most surprising. But last night, you just don't I don't I don't know what to expect this team. Like I expected them to get a couple of wins. I did not think it was going to come last night. It was shocking the way in which it took place. It was also shocking because it wasn't like Louisville had built up some positive momentum in the last few losses. You know, I mean Kentucky beats them by nineteen. They probably could have beaten them by thirty. Virginia beats them by 24, and that's a Virginia team that's been bad pretty much outside of that game. And then Pitt comes into your arena, a Pitt team that, that turns around and loses to Duke by 30, and they led you from start to finish and win by 13. So it's not like, hey, they're, they're kind of getting it. They're going through stretches where they look like a, a competent ACC team. They had looked as bad as they ever had. To, to quote T.J. Walker in his text from yesterday, they looked as bad as they ever had under Kenny Payne over the past couple of weeks. And they go down there and they beat a Miami team that, again, Coming off a of Final Four, top twenty-five for most of this year, and they they did it in a fashion that didn't feel fluky. Now they did allow Miami to shoot, and we talked about this at the end of yesterday's show. Miami came into the night averaging, um, I think, about thirty-three percent of their points coming from behind the arc, and they shot forty-two percent from three as a team, which was number one in the country really? oh, going into last night. I was about to say, not last night they did. Yeah, the, no, the last night they were eleven of thirty-four from three, which is still you know for an average team not bad. But for them, far below their season uh, average. Yeah, 42% as a team going into last night, number one in the country. And Louisville, it's not like it was a 
clinic on how to guard the perimeter, Miami missed a lot of open threes. Wide open threes. That's, especially in the first half. Which is sort of how Louisville has to win games, if we're being honest. Like Part of the equation for Louisville winning games with, with the way that it plays is teams just having bad shooting nights. Like that's They're just not a good defensive team. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to try to paint it pretty, even though they held a, a very talented Miami team to 71 points last night. They gave up a ton of open looks, and Miami had a bad shooting night. Nigel Pack, I'm never going to give another player personal bet again. Because in the last two times I've done like the the bet thing, it's gotten a guy hurt. Nigel Pack comes out, hits two quick threes. I'm like, damn! I'm like two and a half. I should have should have bet this real hard. Um, he's gonna hit the over very quickly. Didn't happen. He hurts his ankle, re-injures his ankle. He's limited for the rest of the game. When he comes back in midway through the second half, he looks like a little bit hampered. He's coming up short on some jumpers. It was Wuga Poplar that they're. Their, their big-time sophomore. It was his first game back from injury after being out for a couple of weeks. He looked a little bit off. So, like, Louisville caught a few breaks then. Having having said that, I mean, it's not like Louisville is working with a full arsenal right now as well. You know, they're, they're still adjusting to life without J.J. Trainer. Uh, Trey White, who's been a starter for them the entire season, is, was still out last night. I know he was going to be a game-time decision. They're still down right now to seven scholarship players. And they, they started a walk-on last night. Hersey Miller. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, you called it. Well, I mean, I don't. I felt like it was an over. I was like, I hope Kenny Payne isn't like looking at me and Eric Crawford talking about this and being like, I'll give them what they want because we went from Hersey Miller barely playing at all, only playing mop up minutes, to starting last night. I was like, it's kind of an overcorrect, but okay. And uh, you know, he he didn't do a whole lot while well, he, he was in. He only played seven minutes. He, he you know, he was it was a weird one of those weird things where he played the first segment of the game, they yank him out, don't play him the rest of the half, and then he still starts the second half, then they yank him out, and he doesn't really play again the rest of the game. So, you know, whatever. I hope they start him again next game because, call it superstition or whatever, that, it worked. That almost feels like he, like, almost feels like Kenny Payne had a challenge in practice. Like, whoever wins this gets to start the first and second half next game, and Hersey Miller somehow won it. You, or, or you do kind of wonder if it was a like Tyler Johnson had an immature week of practice. Uh, yeah, where he's, could have been. Yeah, because he, he, he didn't play a whole lot. He, he he came in and gave him an injection of life. Yeah, he didn't come into the game until like late in the first half, and then played a decent amount in the second half, and ended up you know, kind of riding that thing out. But you know, he's been the starting point guard for the last couple of weeks, and I, I do wonder if it was a situation where he just wasn't doing what Kenny Payne wanted him to in practice, and Payne was like, "Okay, I'm finally going to use the bench as a motivating tool. If you're not going to listen and you're not going to, you know, kind of cut some of the, the nonsense out, we're going to start Hersey Miller. This is how expendable you are as a freshman point guard." My the, the thing that I come around to, and I, I think what's going to be the central focus of the show today, because I get in the grand scheme of things that this doesn't really change anything, right? Like, right. It's not like all is hunky-dory now. It's not like, haha, like you people who thought Kenny Payne was not doing a great job here, in your face, although the, some people were trying to do a little bit of that last night. I was like, come on, guys, let's, <laughs> let's be real. At the end of the day, Louisville is still 3-22 and in the ACC under Payne. It's still 1-20 in games away from the KFCM Center under Payne. It's still 10-37 and overall under Payne. Could that change moving forward? Like, could this be the catalyst to some just remarkable, unthinkable turnaround? Sure, would love to. Would love to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll say this for the millionth time on the show. I'd love to be wrong about that. So I get that this doesn't change anything big picture wise, and I acknowledge that this is just a personal opinion. I think, and I said this before the year, that the worst thing that could happen this season for Louisville basketball and its future is for Payne to do just enough to make it weird, right? Mm-hmm. It's the old Scott Satterfield situation. If he if he only wins single-digit games, it's cut and dry. 
you got to move on. If he goes out there and he wins you 25 games, it's cut and dry. He's the guy. If he wins you like 14, 15, 16 games, then you've got a decision to make. And me personally believing that Kenny Payne is not the person who can get Louisville back to being a championship caliber program, in my estimation, the worst thing for this program is for him to kind of get hot and and get to a 15 and 16, 14 and 17 type record where people can say, look, he did all this even with injuries. Clearly, he's figured some stuff out. The players believed in him. You're reaping the benefits of it now. They're just going to be that much better in year three. He gets a year three. Year three still kind of sucks, and then we move on, and we've wasted a, a full 12 months um, with, with this guy. So uh, even having that belief, it's impossible for me to watch a game the way that some people do, which, I, again, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I can't do it, kind of rooting against your own team. Like There were people last night who were watching the game sort of rooting against Louisville, and then when Louisville actually goes out there and wins – they're like, this is the nightmare scenario. This is bad. Yeah, that was me because I lost about $50 on the game. Well, I didn't win money either. So. Li- live bet in Miami came back and bit me. <laughs> but, but there you know, there were a little – and again, I'm not judging you. There is, uh, I just told you that, that kind of in my, my brain, I think the same thing, that there's now a scenario in place where Louisville could go out there and go like 7-13 and 13 in the ACC, and he winds up keeping his job. Even with that being true, I am so hardwired a certain way after – damn near 40 years of being obsessed with Louisville men's basketball, that when Louisville goes out there and they win a game against a good team on the road, I st- I'm like giddy last night. Like It, it affects my entire mentality, whether, whether I, I can't control it. Like you know, you, I, I go into the game last night the way that I've gone into pretty much every game this year, just kind of feeling numb and like, let's, let's do this, let's, let's, let's see what happens. And then the game ends, and you know, I'm, I'm, Mary's getting the kids down, I'm going to take a shower, we're going to have some, a late dinner, watch some TV, and I'm just in a better mood. I, I, I'm just happier. Like it, it's, it's so ingrained in my DNA that even despite everything, despite me not thinking that, that this guy should get a third year, despite having to go through only winning one road game in over two full calendar years, all that stuff, I'm still like a happier person when Louisville goes out there and wins last night. I, I don't know if you were like me, but it was, it, it just felt nice to have an evening where Things didn't feel normal. It's not like it was a snap of a finger situation, and I'm I'm right back to 2013, 2014, 2015. I'm still fully aware of the situation with the program, but for at least a night, you would kind of put that aside and be like, I watched Louisville beat a good team on national TV. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm going to bed a little bit happier tonight than I would have otherwise. It was just it was it was fun to have that for one evening. I don't know if we're going to get it again, but we'll see. Scoots as an IU fan, I'm sure you can relate. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't, I, I haven't gotten as many wins as I've wanted throughout my life. But I mean, every every win I have gotten does. I mean, it gives you a boost for sure. It, it makes it, you feel better. It it does, and I I think that most Louisville fans were of the same mindset last night, kind of taking that mentality of, like, I still want to change. I still recognize that this is really bad, but for a few hours, let's just bask in the happiness. Let's just enjoy the glow uh, of a Louisville victory. I did kind of hate that. It was such a crazy night in college basketball again. Everyone was tossing around the stat where it was like, hey, the top four teams in the AP poll all lost to unranked teams in two nights for the first time ever. And I'm like, let's focus on the, the, real, the real thing here, which is Louisville going out there and winning a road game for the first time in over two years. Let's not let any of this distract you from the big story in college basketball, which is the cards taking down the Canes. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But it was nice. I, I felt like we were at least somewhat of a, a part of the conversation in a good way. And look, here comes the sarcasm already. 
Our net ranking skyrocketed from 263 to 236. Come on. Boom. 27 spots one night. No big deal. I did say, I mean, like, I, I, there was a part of me, I'm going to say that felt bad for Miami fans. There's like three fans that care about basketball. That arena was completely dead yeah, last night. It was. I mean, I think the Louisville fans that were there were louder than the Miami fans. It, it felt like a weird AAU game. Where like the only noise you're hearing is coming from the bench, the, the benches after TV timeouts. Like just no enthusiasm whatsoever. I don't think the Miami PA system was playing music. It was just a bizarre environment. But there were, I went to a couple of the Miami sites that were writing up stuff about this game afterward, and they were talking about how like this loss, like it kind of tank could tank their NCAA tournament resume. Yeah. Like that's a quad four loss. Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of, of losing a home game to, like, Mercer right now for them. I know Louisville in name looks different than a lot of those teams that are down there in the, the, the 230s and the net rankings, but the, the computers don't care. Did you see TJ's post on Twitter after the game? No, what did he say? He said, thanks to Louisville, my, that win over Miami is now a quad five win. For, oh, for Kentucky? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, some teams can beat Miami in the road. Some teams have to beat them at home. It's fine. You know, so <laughs> That's true, yeah. Who's to say who's better? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's That's not, true. You, know, you, you, you never know. But Miami fans were like, I mean, this is a gigantic hit to our resume. Like, they could, uh, you know, the, the two, uh, somebody was in my mentions being like, we're going to whoop you when we play you again. I looked at the schedule today, and I'm like, you know, we don't play again. That's the only, <laughs> the only time we play. But even if they did, if they came to our building and, like, destroyed us by 40 in February, it wouldn't balance out the damage that losing to us at home has done to them. Now, maybe there's a crazy, you know, if the crazy situation happens where Louisville goes on a, a ridiculous run and plays its way into like a top 120 net ranking, then the the loss stings a little bit less. But that's probably not going to happen. This is going to be like if Miami's on the bubble, we could end up Clemsoning them. Like last year, our win over Clemson tanked Clemson's NCAA tournament chances. Like we kept them out of the NCAA tournament. This loss could end up keeping Miami out of the NCAA tournament if we go on to have a terrible rest of the season. That's how uh, how bad we've been up to this point. But I don't really feel sorry for them. You, know, you you had a Final Four, you had an Elite Eight, you had a Sweet Sixteen the last three years. You, you've been doing well. It's okay. Maybe get up for the challenge a little bit. Yeah, they looked bad last night. Yeah, Jim- they they were not ready to start for sure. Jim Laranega um, did not mince words after the game said straight up that uh you know we were awful from start to finish just 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 no way around it he was uh he was uh, he was honest about it and they weren't great not to take anything away from us but they did look like a team that was a step or six slow for whatever reason and just just never really got it going i i you got the sense that especially when they got off to an early lead like you know they they, they were up by 8 for most of the first half then we made it we would make a couple nice little runs and hang around they still like they played like a team that thought they could just turn it on whenever they wanted to and pull away. Mm-hmm. And by the time they actually tried to do that, it was a little too late. And there was a moment late in the game where we'd been up by five. They 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 actually had cut the lead really quickly, and then we got back up by five again. And Miami comes down. They score a quick two. We turn the ball over. Poplar hits a three to tie the game. We go down. Sky Clark misses a pretty easy like layup in the lane. And we're kind of we're, we're playing tense. We had a couple bad offensive possessions. Pack gets a wide open three for them, and I'm kind of thinking this is it. Like like, like he's going to drill this. They're up by three. The building's got a little bit of life. They'll pull away. He misses, and we come down and we have a really good, like mature, calm possession on offense. We get into a half court set. We get the ball to Brandon Huntley Hatfield. 
and he scores off a nice move in the post. And from that point forward, I think we really settled down, and it was kind of it was it was our game. I still think if Pack makes that three, that we. You know, the old Louisville comes back and shoulders start shrugging and people are like, here we go again. But that moment, like we just needed one of those to not go in, one of those momentum shots, and, oh, and we, oh, got, we got that break. Pack had a lot of them not go in. Yeah, and after that, they just didn't make a shot. Luckily, I didn't see any player props before the game because I would have slammed Nigel Pack's threes like you suggested. And he hit two dude so goes quick. two of nine. He hit two so quick, and I was like, here it is. He's, he's going to end up with like seven. Well, and five of those miss, seven misses he had were wide open. Yeah, I was like, a, what are you doing, dude? He missed a bunch of open shots. My, Miami, though, too, like, they just didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. They were like, we're gonna keep taking open threes. Like, like, you know, we we don't defend the high ball screen well. We we tend to go with the dribbler. Both guys will go with the dribbler. And so they just ran simple stuff like where it's like, all right, bunch of screens, bunch of screens. We're gonna toss it around and like get an open three. And they did. And you know, we were we were betting that they weren't going to shoot to their average. They didn't. And Norstad O'Meer didn't do a whole lot inside because they oh. didn't get him the ball a bunch. Didn't did not have a ton of rebounds mm-hmm. last night. I know Patrick bet hard on his uh, his rebounding over under total. And he only ended up with like, like nine and seven. I mean, Brandon Huntley Hatfield outplayed Norshad O'Meara last night. Huntley nope. Hatfield looked really good. He he's got every skill. He does. He's got every skill, and I, it's why it's so frustrating to see him have games like he did against Pitt, where he's just he's a non-factor. I I think when things don't go well for him early on, and he feels like maybe he's not being as involved in the offense as he should be, he lets that affect his play a, a little bit. Last night he was engaged from start to finish. Finished with uh, twenty-two points. Nine rebounds, I believe. Norset O'Meara only had nine and seven. So it was you know, that's a guy inside who a lot of people thought, as of yesterday, was the front runner for ACC Player of the Year. And Brandon Huntley Hatfield went out there and outplayed him for 40 minutes. So a lot of encouraging things. I, I want to talk more big picture stuff moving forward. Cards will play NC State on Saturday. I think that will go a long way towards determining whether or not this was just a fluky one off type deal. But we'll get into that discussion. The Thornton's text line, by the way, is 502 414 1450. Sound off there. We'll hear from your thoughts coming up a little bit later. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, a celebratory edition here on 1450 Country Thursday has a very positive theme today. Oh, it does. Candy pain. We grabbed a bite to eat. That's all you had? Talked all afternoon. <laughs> we went to. This was a. I, I did like the the joke. It was an easy one. It was a layup, but I saw that several people executed it well last night about this being a definitely a top 10 win of the Kenny Payne era because it was, in fact, the 10th win of the Kenny Payne era to date. So, yeah. Win 10. Was a good one. I mean, I, I would argue it's the best win of Kenny Payne's tenure today. It, I think it's the best team that they've beaten. Clemson, I know, flirted with the NCAA tournament last year, but they did not make it. And that was a home game with a lot of uh, added juice in the building because they were honoring the 2013 team. So I, I think this was the most impressive victory of the Kenny Payne era to date, and also the maybe the most uh, kind of out of nowhere. Programming notes, uh, we will have uh, – we're expecting to have Trevor Kelsey back tomorrow. It doesn't sound like he's going to make it. Uh, we will have Rashawn Myers, though with Sweet. us tomorrow on the show so um, that'll be fun very interested to hear his thought I mean, Rashawn has been outspoken uh, kind of like myself about the issues he has with the Kenny Payne era and, and we'll see what his take is on, on all this and I think that that's where 
as much as the the actual game itself has sparked conversation today, the the broader conversation is what the hell do we do with this, right? Like 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 I, I don't think anybody really knows how to react. I think most people are going with the like cool, like that was fun, but also what the hell? Like, like, like what, what do we make of this? And I'm definitely in that camp, and, and I do think that Saturday will go a long way towards determining whether or not this was, like, hopefully, a, a catalyst towards more positivity for the rest of the season, or if it was just a one-off type deal that we'll look back at and say, what in the world was that? What, what was going on? So Louisville will host NC State on Saturday afternoon. The, the, the Wolfpack was riding high into last night's game at North Carolina. They had just beaten Notre Dame. Uh, They had just beaten Virginia handily at home. They didn't have a real great victory under their belt, but still, they were 11-3. Their only losses were were very understandable defeats at the hands of BYU, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. And they got shellacked back down to earth a little bit by North Carolina. Uh, Carolina won 67-54. It really wasn't that close. Carolina led by double digits most of the way. And it's an NC State team that I don't think is that good. I, I I love Kevin Keats. I want him to have a ton of success. I don't think he's going to make the NCAA tournament with this group. There's not a whole lot of talent in there. They still have the big boy, DJ Burns. they got Casey Morsell, the Virginia transfer, who can light it up from the outside. But there's not enough pieces there, I think, to be a, a realistic like top five, top six team in the ACC for the entire season. My point is, it's a team that if Louisville comes into Saturday afternoon with added confidence after the way that they played last night, full focus, added motivation, a lot of excitement. It's a team that I'm not saying Louisville should go out there and definitely beat, but it's a team that they should be able to hang with. It's a team that they should be able to find themselves at at the under-four timeout in a position where they've got a shot to win. And I don't know what the crowd's going to look like. I mean, people have asked that question a lot today. Should be the best of the season, right? Well... It should be. Theoretically, it, it should be the best. It won't crowd be of the, the most attended game of the season because you're not going to have. You're, well, you're not going to beat the UK game, right? Because the Kentucky fans. Okay, it should be the most attended game for Louisville fans this season. Maybe. I mean, you know, the first game you like to think that there would be some hope, even though we were coming off of an exhibition loss. But yeah, it it it, it very well might might be. And I do. I don't. I don't think the attendance uptick, if there is one, is going to be dramatic. Like I don't think it's. We're miraculously going to have a completely full lower bowl and some people back in the upper arena and and the place is going to be going rowdy the entire time there might be a a few fans that are like I wasn't planning on going to the game but because of the way that they played on Wednesday let's show up let's get loud let's make it fun I think there'll be a small uptick in attendance and maybe more of an uptick when it comes to just juice in the arena because the fans that are there are are diehards and want to see this team turn this into something positive but for the most part I, I think it's still going to be kind of business as usual Hopefully that it won't affect the team. Hopefully the team can get something going. And I think that if they if they get blown out, and not even blown out, but if it's a game like the one last Saturday against Pitt, where you just never really feel like they have a shot, they're constantly behind by 8 to 15 points, they're never really able to get within shouting distance, and they're just kind of going through the motions, and it's clear they're the inferior team from start to finish on their home floor. I think then you're like, eh, okay, that was more about Miami than it was about us. And we'll move forward and we'll see how this team does. But I'm back to being like, let's just get this this over with. If they win, all of a sudden you're looking at the schedule and you're like, all right, let's see what they can do on the road against North Carolina, against Wake Forest, against Duke. If they can be at least competitive in those games, maybe we can like finish 
10th in this conference or, or you know, win six, seven, eight conference games. Who knows? Isn't uh, that what you just want to see at this point is just them compete? Yeah. Isn't that all it comes down to? Just go out there and try, play as hard as you can. Because if I'm a Louisville fan, that's that's literally all I want to see for the rest of the season. I don't if know they're going out there playing see. hard, I'm okay with the loss as long as you're out there trying. But the the start of the season, it was very clear that they were not out there trying as hard as they can. No, there have been a lot of games. It's, yeah, you know, in December, but last night, it, last night wasn't like that. Last night they it wasn't. They they were trying hard from start to finish, and that's what made it so fun. I do think that for the most part, it's a team that that plays hard. There are times where there there are plays here and there, like we mentioned in the game against Pittsburgh, the the play early on where Pitt gets a steal in the second possession, and Tyler Johnson and I think it was Scott Clark just kind of they're like, uh, we're not interested in really running back. We're, we're going to make a business decision. We're going to let this guy dunk, and stuff like that happens every now and then. But for the most part, the issue is not surrounding the effort. I think sometimes it looks like it does because they're not sure what to do. Which goes back to coaching. Yeah, I heard you say that last night on ACC, and and I I kind of agree with that. Like they they they'll, they'll move when it's just basketball strictly plays. More times than not, like they're 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 playing hard. Like they do dive on the floor for loose balls. They you know, they're working hard defensively. I think they just don't know what to do. Like the, the system, it seems like there's just a lot of uncertainty. Like they're constantly looking to the bench. They're kind of looking at each other. There's a lot of miscommunication. And when you don't have a full sense of what to do, it's kind of hard to go 100%. It's kind of hard to go full speed because you're just like, all right, am I supposed to be there? Am I supposed to cut here? What, what, what's this guy doing? Where's the ball going? And that's kind of the way they play all the time. And it gives off, at times, I think the impression that they're not playing as hard as they possibly can. Now, there are some other times where they just, they, they've just they dogged it. And that was on full display in like the DePaul game, the Arkansas State game. That stretch of time in, in late December, mid-December, where they just were just walking zombies like, like that there was no excuse for that and I think even at the beginning of the year you saw a little bit of that until they got out of Louisville and played those two games in New York um if that comes back then yeah you're, you're like what the hell are we doing here but for whatever reason you know last night they looked like a different team uh, there was some solid execution oh uh, they played hard on defense they didn't necessarily play well on defense um and, and like you said as long as that's the case moving forward I think you can I was gonna say you you can't live with the results. You still you still want the coaching change if if they're playing hard and they're they're going three and seventeen in the ACC. But it's a lot easier to stomach when you've got guys that are out there representing the jersey well enough to to, to play a little bit hard. It's I mean we're still I'm I'm doing a lot of circular reasoning and, and going around the fact that we're still in a position where the, the coaching search is probably going to be the main topic for the next couple of months. But for yeah. today, for today, it doesn't have to be. For, uh, it was for Trilly Donovan. Did you see his post? I did. I saw. I saw. I was like, "Come on, man." Is that in regards to you all? You think? Uh, yeah, Trilly Donovan posted four pictures of four guys: um, Jerome Tang, Mick Cronin, Eric Musselman, Chris and Beard. Chris Beard. And there's been, I mean, th- th- there's been buzz out there for a long time. And these are the guys that their agents are willing to get in contact with college basketball writers and, and put stuff out there and be like, "Hey, my guy." Which Musselman's done this with Louisville, like every year that there's even been a possibility of an opening. He was doing it in 2017. He was doing it in 2018. He was doing it in 2022. I think that he wants a significant raise. I think he's also having a bad year, and yeah. and you know, this may be a good they time for him to jump. Georgia last time. They're, not, they're just not very good. Like, and I, I'm, I'm very surprised by that. This is the first year where he's gone the transfer portal route, whether we're talking about it in Nevada or at Arkansas, and it just ha- the guys just haven't meshed. They just haven't worked. If you want to blame LLS, hey. A little bit of evidence there for that. There you go. But Jerome Tang, 
I mean, this was dating back to like before the tournament run last year, where people were saying he does not have a great relationship with the administration at Kansas State. And we know firsthand from our experiences here, when that's the case, it's hard to salvage that type of of deal. I mean, Chris Mack, I think if he'd had a better relationship with the brass here, he would have not been as willing to kind of just give up and, and, and want to walk away from the team. Um, we've seen that. I think Bobby Petrino was kind of the same way. There seems to be a divide between what Tang wants and, and, and what Kansas State wants. So he has been very, very vocal behind closed doors, or at least his agent has, about, hey, my guy will listen. And it's not just Louisville either. Like some other big jobs that are are seeming like they could open, like Tang, I think, is, is putting out feelers there. Mick Cronin, I, I've told you a million times over the last two years, you can believe me if you want to. You can't if you don't want to. Like he wanted the job in 2022. I think he wants the job right now. Whether or not Louisville wants him after what's uh, transpired at UCLA this season, I think is is up for debate. He's got the big buyout. They think that there's a loophole they can work on because they're changing conferences. We'll see whether or not that's true. And then the Chris Beard thing, I mean, there's definitely been more talk the last 48 hours or so that like he's that mystery SEC coach that people have been talking about that that Josh kind of has his eye on that Josh might like and. Yeah, the the beer discussion that we had with Matt McGavick on Tuesday might not be going anywhere anytime soon. Like this may be something that we talk about more seriously as this season rolls on. So I, I do think all four of those guys are in play. I don't, I don't think they're the only four guys that are in play. I think that there are other coaches whose agents have reached out and said, "If you're looking to make a move, my guys look, looking to, to listen." It was notable that Scott Drew was not on that list. I think that's more of a "you got to come to me" type deal. I do think Josh will when the time is right. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, we, we, we managed to go, for, what, 45 minutes without getting into the coaching search? Yeah, stuff? that was my pad. It's okay. I mean, it's Trilly Donovan's fault. Yeah. Blame it on Trilly. Did you hear Rick Pitino bring up Trilly by name the other day? I did, yeah. It, it is like, Some guy named Trilly Donovan. He's like, he's in our meetings. He, he, <laughs> he's, he, he's in our meetings. I think Trilly's in there. I, I was like, I was like Pitino's just like, – hearing him say Trilly Donovan just made me laugh. <laughs> It was very easy. He knows what's going on in our program before that, uh, which, I mean, Patino may know who Trilly Donovan is, for all I know. He may be the one who's feeding him information, because there have been times where I've known, <laughs> I mean, there have been times where I've known that Rick has given somebody a story, and then he's been like, he said that? Who said that? I told him that. I'm like, come on, man. Like, like, Maybe <laughs> Patino is Trilly Donovan. He might be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was where, wait, where, family Where's member. Richard now? In Mexico. Oh, okay. Not Richard. It could be Michael. Could be one of the minorities. You, mm. you never know. There's, there's all sorts of them out there doing stuff. But they, whoever it is, he knows all. I'm pretty sure I know who it is. It's okay. Um, but Louisville last night, again, cause for celebration. I do get if your celebration is muted. That's fine. That, that That's understandable. I think the other thing that was encouraging about last night's performance is the way that Louisville ended the game. with a, you, know, you had two freshmen, two sophomores, and a junior on the floor finishing things out. I loved what I saw from Curtis Williams, who's getting more playing time now that you know Trey White is sidelined, you know, not afraid to shoot the three, which is the type of mentality that you have to have as a natural shooter. He also had the second most assists on the team last night with five. Getting better defensively, he's never going to be a defensive specialist, but I, I love the confidence that he plays with. Um, Sky Clark turned it on late. He was not very good, if we're being honest, for the first like 25 minutes or so of that game. I kind of thought he was the one guy who's just his play was keeping us from being able to really take control of that game. He had five of our 12 turnovers, but at the end of the game, when the lights were the brightest, he was the guy who stepped up and really, really played well. And then Mike James, at the beginning of the game, could not miss. Like, like it, it did feel... Yeah, that it, was awesome. It felt early on like one of those games where if James wasn't doing that, 
we may have fallen back into our old ways, gotten down by 10 and yep. kind of hung our heads and all yep. that stuff. And he single-handedly kept us like right there with him because Miami was playing at that point. Miami was making a ton of shots too. And he had, I think, 16 of our first 18 points. Also had a crazy chase down block after a, a turnover, which was really, really impressive, but could not miss from the field. There was one point, I mentioned this on, on the podcast we recorded earlier, where like, you know, we're, we're down by five, but he hits a three and he like talks bleep to the bench and just doesn't guard his guy coming down. His guy goes right <laughs> down there and scores a layup. I'm like, we can't do that. Like, we're not good enough to be, to be doing that. But I do like the edge that he plays with. I like to see him and some of the other guys kind of, you know, going at it with the Miami players, talking a little smack. It was nice to see them play with some confidence, and then you know they were they were celebrating after the afterwards. The one, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I thought you nailed the game how it played out. You when you were talking about it yesterday on the show, you you went through how exactly it was going to go. You said it's going to be tight at the ten minute mark. Wouldn't be surprised if it's tied or Louisville had a lead. It was tied at the ten or no. Because you mentioned the first time, yeah. you mentioned the first time out first. It was tied at the first t- time out. Then it was tied again at ten minutes, and then you said Louisville would probably surrender. Blah blah blah. And then next thing you know, Miami's up eight points, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I was thinking the same thing. But then they, I mean, they just continued to fight back. It was it was crazy. I, I've never seen it out of Louisville in the past two years. It was what like you said. It felt like a story that we're all too familiar with, where you know, Miami's largest lead was 56-47 in the second half. And even like after we had sort of weathered the storm at the tail end of the first half and, and kept it within striking distance and only been down by five at the break, you know, they came out and they outplayed us in the first uh, six minutes of the, of the second half. And you're like, here we go. Like, you know, 92-70 feels very much in play. And then we just didn't go away. Like, we we just started we, – we made shots. Miami went ice cold. We took advantage of some sloppiness for them. They actually had more turnovers than we did, which has been a – extreme rarity over the last two years we had 12 they had 13 uh, and we also I think finished with more assists than they did um yeah we had 17 they had 16 so we beat them in assist turnover ratio which even when we've won games in the past we typically have not won that stat but we just we shared the ball better than they did they played selfish they played lethargic they they played sloppy and we cleaned it up just enough to to hang in the game and then get a nice lead and then hang on late it was just a very, very, very surprising performance, and uh, I didn't hate it. Knocking down 10 of 23 threes also helped. You had a, a nice shooting performance from Mike James. You had the Curtis Williams with the, uh, the trio threes. And the sequence that really, I think, was the first time where I was like, they may do this, was the we get the layup and then Sky Clark steals the inbounds pass, yeah. lazy play by Miami, and then he gets it back for a corner three and we go at five. And I was like, this kind of feels real. It was it was sort of like when I was watching the UMBC-Virginia game it, when, when – they pulled the upset in 2018, and there was one play where I'm like, I don't think this is going to change. Like, I don't think they're going away. Like, this feels like a very real thing, and that kind of the same feeling last night, which UMBC over Virginia, I think statistically, was less of an upset than Louisville beating Miami was <laughs> last night, which is fine. Uh, but the cards get it done. That was awesome. We celebrate today on the show. We'll hear from you on the Thornton Sex Line here at 502-414-1450. Before we do that, though, big story in the world of football that also dropped today in the span of, I guess, just over 24 hours now, we've had Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and now Bill Belichick all leave the game. Mm-hmm. Carroll uh, sort of accepting. He was kind of the one that was like, eh, maybe you'd just leave. He accepted a different position within the Seahawks organization. Saban abruptly at 5 o'clock yesterday in the middle of the show says, I'm done with coaching. And then Belichick today says that he's walking away from the New England Patriots. Three of the most successful football coaches of, of our lifetime, most f- successful fo- football coaches of anybody's lifetime, uh, are now all done. Kind of a 
a shocking 24 hours here, Scoots. Yeah, it's been wacky. I, I expected the Bill Belichick one, so that one didn't surprise me. But, yeah, both the Pete Carroll and Nick Saban ones really surprised me. Did one of those stick out to you over the other as being more surprising? Probably Saban. I think Saban's the yeah. most surprising just because they're all up there in age, mm-hmm. and they've all – I mean, I was going to say they've, they've gone through struggles, but the struggles of Nick Saban are much, much different than what Belichick and Carroll have gone through in recent years. I mean, we're talking about – Belichick loses Brady, and suddenly he can't even make the playoffs. Uh, Carroll you know, snuck into the playoffs last year, shipping the line spot, and then gets left out this year. They've kind of been whatever candidates in, in the NFC for the last few years. Whereas Saban, not winning national titles the last couple of years, but still, like you know, he they they, they beat Georgia in the SEC title game this year. They they made it to the college football playoff. They made it to the championship game the year before that. Like they've been right there in the thick of things, and he's choosing to walk away. One of the craziest stats that I saw was that he's – I knew it was dominant, but he was 11-1 and in SEC title games. That's nuts. Wow. That's madness. His overall record really impressed me. His overall record at Alabama, 199-16. and 16. It's, I mean, that's outrageous. He had, I think, what – he wound up having eight more first-round picks than he had overall losses <laughs> at Alabama. Which is, I mean, some of the Calipari stats with the, with the picks are nuts. There's nothing like the Saban stats. Uh, the numbers are just outraged. I, I have loved seeing all the, the like the Saban stories that have been out there. There was one that I had not read from a biography on him that came out in 2015, which I loved. He, he was talking about all. He was giving a speech to his Alabama team about basically chasing tail. In college, like like guys who are staying out there trying to get with girls on the weekends, and he he said his quote was, "Ultimately, you don't want to be out there chasing after midnight. If you haven't locked it up by midnight, it's not worth it." The book says at this point, Saban paused and shuffled on his feet. The color had risen in his face. His players had no idea what to expect next. Saban says, "Ultimately, you never want to sleep with anybody who has less to lose than you do." So ultimately, if I'm ever going to sleep around on Miss Terry, it's going to be with Hillary bleeping Rodham Clinton. (laughs) A few members of the team laughed so hard that they fell out of their seats. It was funny as hell, says a former player, and it was actually a great lesson. There you go. Life lessons from Nick Saban. (laughs) Never sleep with someone who has less to, to lose than you do. There you go. That's that's what that's what the kids need to be hearing in this day and age, uh, but he has uh, some of the, the the quotes that I've forgotten from press conferences and and whatever had been have been really funny to see. He's he, he, despite his robotic behavior, he's a good quote. Mm-hmm. I also saw that there's um, a group of students last night went to Bryant Denny Stadium and among other things started chanting "Anyone but Dabo," which is just hilarious. There's you know, I guess the report out there that. That Dan Landing was the the lead candidate for the job. Basically, it's his job if he wants it. And he said today he's staying. He's he's not going anywhere. And the latest rumors are that Mike Norvell is the kind of the lead candidate for the Alabama job. Which gross. I know. It seems, I mean, he's gone from like disaster at Florida State. No way we can keep this guy more than two seasons. To maybe the heir apparent to Nick Saban at, at Alabama. And I kind of feel like that would go even worse than Dabo would go. Yeah, same. Uh, you know, the one name that's really ris- rose risen. Rosen? Risen. Sure. Risen to the top for me is Steve Sarkeesian. I think he would kill it at Bama. Probably. I mean, you also say, I mean, if there's concern about his past with the drinking and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. if Texas isn't going to break you, then I I don't think Bama's going to break you. You can't say that about any other program. You know, if there's one program whose fan base and whose, 
you know, alumni pressure and big booster money pressure and all that stuff is kind of up there with Alabama, it's probably Texas. Like so if he's been able to handle that scrutiny and that pressure, yeah, I feel like he could hold up to the microscope in Tuscaloosa for sure. So I, I, I wouldn't hate that higher for them, but just a, I mean, crazy, crazy uh, sequence of events the last few days with some of the biggest names in coaching. Well, I mean, sports in general these last couple of days have been crazy with all the upsets and college basketball. And then did you see the athletic story today about the ESPN and yes, the Emmys? Like, yes, well, I have on the list. What is going on? It, it's been crazy lately. You know what it is? I told you yesterday. The crescent It's moon. the waxing crescent moon. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you right now. If Louisville beats, this is a, a really 100% true statement. If Louisville beats NC State on Saturday in men's basketball, and the Lions beat the Rams on Sunday in the NFL playoffs, first playoff win since 93, I'm going to become a moon guy. I'm gonna, I, I will buy a book about moon stuff. I'm sure I just Google Moon Stuff book and I'll find something and I'll f- figure out more about this. I mean, you might as well go the distance and get a waxing crescent moon tattoo. Oh, waxing crescent. Yeah. I don't know what. I bet somebody's gotten one. I'm going to Google it right now. <laughs> waxing crescent moon <laughs> tattoo. Tattoo. Is it just like a crescent moon? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what a waxing crescent I don't know what any of this is. means. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so many people do. There are results that show up, but they look like just like basic crescent moons. Is that like the? So is, is there's somebody with a with a crescent moon and written in the middle of it? It says, "I live, so I love." When the moon is crescent, is that when it looks like a, like a fingernail? Yes. When it's like real skinny. It, I, I like to call it like the children's book moon, like in every like kids book. Oh, you know, okay. It's, like, it's a cow jumped cartoony. over the moon. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's it's sort of like the. It's basically it looks like a C, if you want to say that. Okay. Yeah. Fingernail, see, whatever. Um, it's when you can see like the least of the moon. I, I do like that tattoo. It's very, I live, so I love. I'm going to get the same thing and just say, like, go Lions in the middle of it. <laughs> go Lions, go Cards, go Reds. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Did you? So you said you watched the, the ACC Network spot. Went off without a hitch yesterday. Yeah. Got it to work. Yeah. Felt good. Mark Packer said some very nice things about me. He did, yeah. He's very complimentary. And he, he was not wrong. I, th- I thought you... I thought you did a fantastic job. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I did like end up like saying that nothing was going to change on the basketball front. Yeah. 30 minutes before on that same network, the basketball team was going to go on and beat Miami. But still, it was enjoyable. Yeah, hearing Packer say that, he's always very Yeah, it was funny. He, he asked you that first question about football, and you hit him with the, uh, well, thank you for that gift. Yeah, I was like, yeah, appreciate <laughs> it on, on the New Year's. I did go home, and my wife and the kids, they had it on the TV, and like, I walk in, nobody could have cared. Like, like nobody cared. Like, like you know, John, Mary took a video of John being like, there's daddy on there. And she's like, hey, we, I kind of had to like force him. Virginia stayed on the iPad the entire time. She was like, Mary's like, I had to give the kids the iPad so I could watch it and listen to what you were saying. But I'm like, did you see daddy on TV? And Virginia's like, yeah, just just could not care less. It's better than the last time where I was like, do you want to watch this? Daddy's on TV. It was like a replay. And she's like, no. <laughs> Put on Barbie. Shows, At least she's please. honest. She I mean, just could not care less. Like for somebody who's obsessed with like videos and and movies, and she wants to see herself in videos and TVs and stuff. When her, her father is on TV talking about stuff, just could not care less. At that's all. that's kind of how I feel about all my friends and family. They know I work in radio, but none of them listen. Especially oh. Gil. I mean, we talk the about him all Gil? the time. He never listens to any of the radio. That Classic I Gil. I mean, if I had a friend or family member that was on the radio, I would listen every chance I could. Classic but, Gil. Yeah. My friends, the same. my friends will like text me during the show, like, oh, yeah, I forgot you do that. I'm like, I've been doing it for 10 years. 
Second break, when we come back, 4 o'clock hour, we'll get to the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Your thoughts on the miracle in Miami. It's coming your way next here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. I got a rice cooking in the microwave. Got a three-day beard I don't plan to shave. And it's a goofy thing, but I just gotta say, hey, I'm a doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup. I'm feeling pretty good, and that's the truth. It's neither drink nor crescent tattoos. No, I'm just doing all right. And it's a great uh, day to, to beat be Miami. Here we go. Four o'clock hour. Cars victorious last night on the road over the Hurricanes in Miami. 80 to 71 was the final score. Louisville, in addition to just getting its first road win in uh, over two years, also rid itself of the distinction of being the only team in the ACC without a conference victory. The Cards now one and three in league play. Every single team in the ACC has at least one victory now. Uh, everybody besides Duke has at least one loss. It's a, I mean, it's it's anybody's year, and all these top five teams. It's a wide open year, Scoots. Anybody can win this thing. Maybe even Louisville. And anybody. Historically weak bubble. Historically weak year. Down year for the sport. Louisville's right there in the picture now. Hey, I'm still not wrong that they won't. When, when I said that they won't be, what was that? They'll be in last all season. Well, in the conference. Ah, ah, ah. but they're tied for last. They're not even tied. Pitts one and four. We're one and three. Oh, okay, so I was wrong. Winning percentage-wise, Pitt is in last all by itself right now. Jeez, I'm just being wrong all over the yeah, board. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I was right there with you, though, actually. I mean, they are, if you were talking about just the win total, they are tied with uh, with four teams. Clemson, Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Pitt are all uh, one-win teams in league play. But doesn't matter. We're, we're also, we, you know, we, we're one of two teams with a losing record. Notre Dame's seven and nine. So we're, we're not alone. We're six and nine. Nice. We're feeling good. It's going nice. to be fine. One, uh, we're going to get to Thornton's text line here in just a second at 502-414-1450. One more note uh, on the football front. Louisville had landed a couple of weeks ago a commitment from Florida cornerback transfer, Jalen Kimber. I, I think that there had been some eyebrows raised when he announced last week that he was going to go visit Texas A&M. That was like, hey, are you really committed? That's I don't think that's the definition of co- commitment. But he announced today that he was flipping not to Texas A&M, but to Penn State. So Louisville still needs to go out there and get a cornerback, but maybe this is good news on the Quincy Riley front. Maybe this is, is reflective of the fact that Riley is, is going to come back. A lot of questions out there about what's going on with Quincy. The buzz as of a week ago was that he was definitely leaning towards coming back, wanted to see what the the NIL, how that was going to get worked out. There was even more buzz uh, a couple of days ago that the an announcement from him was imminent and that he was leaning towards coming back. The longer this goes, the more I get a little bit worried about that. But hearing this news from from uh, from Timber, uh, Pimber, not coming to Louisville. Pimber. Pimber, uh, maybe Kimber, uh, maybe is – is good news that we're going to hear something positive from Quincy. Maybe they're saving it for a Friday. Pick me up, but we'll find out at some point. Quincy Riley coming back, I think, would be you'd be bringing back the two best defensive players from last year's team. Louisville football. Louisville football's giving Louisville basketball their day. How kind. Maybe that's what it yeah. is. Maybe, maybe that. I mean, they, you, I mean, they've been Louisville football's been in the spotlight so much. You know, that's all everybody wants to talk about. So 
yeah, they just took a step back today, give basketball their day, and then they'll get back at it tomorrow. Maybe Jeff was planning on being like, they're going to need to pick me up on Thursday. So maybe he was saving it for last night after the game. Yeah. And then we actually won. He was like, oh, okay. I, I do like the timing of all this stuff. Like the, I don't know if we talked about it, the Quinshawn Judkins, the, the transfer from uh, Ole Miss who picked Ohio State, who waited until the moment that Michigan won the national title to announce that he was going to Ohio State just to give Buckeye fans like, a nice distraction from their arch rivals <laughs> winning a national title. It was brilliant. Like, like you know, I'm sure the, the OSU brass told him to do that. And he's maybe the best player available in the portal this offseason. But it was a, like, that was, I was like, tip of the cap. That's well done. That's how you rivalry. It's great news. 502 414 is the Thornton's tax line. Uh, reminder Thornton's has the best deals for you all winter long, all 2024 long. If you want to take advantage of, of their deals, become a refreshing rewards program member today. Download the app on your phone and then use it to save money at the pump or when you hop inside to grab a tasty treat from any one of the area's 96,000. 871 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. I know what they're doing. Texas, I think this is a KRC text. It's fine. If Norvell gets hired at Alabama, does FSU go after Stoops? Could be for you. you oh, one twelve p.m. Yeah. You know who I've actually heard would be the, 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 the primary candidate for Florida State if that does happen. Not Mark Stoops. I'm hearing good things about Vince Merrill. Maybe going to Tallahassee. <laughs> a lot of buzz out there. I think Kentucky needs to give him a couple more mil if they want to keep him around. I don't, I, I don't, I mean, is there actual evidence that Mero would want to be a head coach or would be a good head coach? No, that's the joke. Okay. He's not, he's not okay. a candidate for any of these jobs. Okay. All, all right. these Kentucky reporters leaked that he's like the primary candidate for all these jobs just so he can get another race because he's their buddy. He's, I mean, everybody knows where the source of Kentucky football information is coming from. Like when there's a, when there's a scoop from a UK like media writer, especially KSR about football. Everybody knows where it's coming from. Like when Matt Jones, Matt Jones reported that Mark Stoops wasn't taking the Texas A&M job at midnight before anybody else did. His most recent tweet before that was a picture of him with Vince Marrow out at like a at Drake's or something. So like it, it was the most transparent thing of all time. So when Vince Marrow comes to them and is like, "Hey, I'm a candidate for the head coaching job at Youngstown State. I'm a candidate for the head coaching job at Miami of Ohio. I'm a candidate for the head coaching job at wherever." Like he's it's shamelessly trying to get himself a raise. Okay. Which, it works for him. I, I thought there was some facetiousness there. This time it's true, though. <laughs> He's a top-tier candidate for the Florida State. <laughs> Would FSU go after Stoops? I don't know. I mean, it'd be sort of... It's a, like That's a program that cares a lot about its perception and the perception of taking a guy that Texas A&M like, basically had a mutiny on its hands when they announced that it was, he was going to be the guy. I think would be maybe a tough look for them. FSU does not go after Stoops. I can't imagine, but maybe. Texas Mike, today's my 39th birthday. Happy birthday to you. In honor of that, I'm wondering if you'll let me pick number 39 on the coaching rumor list. All right. <laughs> let's do it. You're going try to focus on the game today, but coaching candidate of the day, let's make it happen. I wasn't ready. I'm going to fire it up now. Wasn't 39 the one I picked? No, I picked 36. Okay. We've got, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Our coaching candidate of the day. In the midst of his best season, Certainly at this program to date, I'm hearing there's palpable buzz surrounding the notion that Fred Hoiberg and oh. Nebraska might be wanting to parlay this great season, getting the Cornhuskers on the precipice of, of making the NCAA tournament into a jump to a bigger program like the University of Louisville. I was wondering what he meant the other day when he said that he wanted to be in another shade of red. Did he say Checks that? Checks out, yeah. Oh. Oh. Fred Hoiberg. 
definitely a candidate. The Cornhuskers are 13 and three, coming off of a a rout of number one Purdue on their home floor, three and two in the Big Ten. Uh, I, I like this pick. I mean, look, here's the the way that this would happen. So, this is one of my favorite stats in all of college basketball. I don't know if you know this, Scoots. Nebraska is the only program in one of the Power Six conferences, the only program that has never won a single game in the NCAA tournament. Whoa. Northwestern, for a long time, was the only program that had never made the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. And then a few years ago, they get in. Uh, they beat Vanderbilt. So not only do they make the tournament, they win a game. They should have beaten Gonzaga in the second round. But Nebraska has never won a game in the NCAA tournament. That's wild. Hoiberg gets them there this year, gets them to the second round. It's a hell of an accomplishment. And then he's like, boom, I've done all I can do here. Let me go rescue Louisville. I like that pick. Hearing, I can see it. Hearing that it's possible. He's on the list. We've got Sean Miller, Jawan Howard, Grant McCaslin. Fran McCaffrey, Mitch Henderson. Hoiberg may be at the top of that list for me. Yeah, same. I mean, you forget how much of a hot commodity he was coming back from the NBA. I mean, he was he was so good at Iowa State. He jumped like like he's the 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 anointed one in Chicago. The Bulls fans are think that he's just going to come there and, and rescue them. It, it was kind of talked about from his like second season at Iowa State on. He goes to Chicago, sucks. And he's been kind of a disappointment at Nebraska ever since he got there. It's been a very, very slow build. They haven't had a winning record in any of his seasons yet. In fact, he came into this year pretty firmly on the hot seat, oh, which, yeah. which is crazy considering how sought he was when he was leaving the NBA. And he has responded with a, so far, a fantastic season. And they very much look like they're NCAA tournament quality. So if he got it done, I mean, how sustainable is it to win in Lincoln, Nebraska with that basketball program after this? Like, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Go to Louisville. Get it done. I, I think... This is all a joke, but like one serious comment. I think Fred Hoiberg would do well. Yeah, I do. I too. really do. I do too. I think it could actually work. Texas says, I've got nothing against Jim Laranega, but it would be hilarious if the loss ends up knocking the U out of the tourney and leads to his retirement. That could happen. There's a world in which that happens where, you know, Jim Laranega, who has been, I, I think, a little bit vocal, like his program has been fa- painted as the, the the face of NIL and because of the Nigel Pack stuff, and they've gotten a bunch of guys. I don't think he's crazy about the new rules. He's definitely old school. He's seventy four years old. If we kept them out of the NCAA tournament, you know, they're losing the best players from this run. Like Omir's going to go. Uh, well, I think he has to go. Nigel Pack. This he's got one more year of eligibility left, but his NIL deal is running out after this season. He may go. Uh, they'll probably lose Wuga Poplar to the NBA. Like they may lose all of their key players. Limited Larenega may say that's enough's enough, and we may single handedly end his career, which would be very sad. I love Larenega. He too. He looks just like my opa. Who's that? My German grandpa. Oh, looks just like him. Most people say Larry David, but that's okay. I could see Larry David too. Although I I kind of see Jim Beheim in that as well. Yeah, for sure. Texas, gosh dang it, I bet Miami to cover last night. Damn you, Kenny Payne. Also, I can't be happy today, Scoots, because you're on the show, Scoots hater. Suck it, Scoots Hater. Suck it, Scoots Hater. Back for one more ride. Texas says three things. One, very weird to see Mike's face while he talks, but he did a great job on the ACC Network. Thank you. Two, that was a top 10 Kenny Payne win for sure. Three, post the b-ball bets on Twitter, please. Well, you don't want yesterday's bets because that's what I get for thumping my chest over Tuesday night. Like everything that I said, and I think I did, I, I put in a couple, I, I did one bet on the Nigel Pack over under, and then I did a parlay. And I'm pretty sure every leg of the parlay I was wrong on. Because I, I took Tennessee to cover. I, I nailed Mississippi up. State. You, 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 you nailed that. You didn't fall for the the line like I did. I thought Tennessee. What was like, the other one we did? 
Kansas at UCF. I, I liked Kansas to cover that game. They lost straight up. What, what did I? I can't remember what I said for that one. I think we kind of. Threw, I think I threw that one out there as like just a me pick. But we picked another game last night that I think we we agreed on, which means we probably both were wrong. Um, you definitely nailed the Mississippi State game. We picked oh North Carolina NC State. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I thought NC State was gonna was gonna pull the upset. They didn't do it. Um, I didn't bet on that one. The, the games that I did bet last night, I know for a fact, I just was terrible. I was, I was very, very bad. So I'm glad I didn't post bets after yesterday's show because that would have gone poorly for me. Tonight, I'll take a stab. we got about an hour and 45 minutes to prepare for that. I'll give you something. Texture says, I feel like I want Louisville to win, but not to win too much because I'm still out on Kenny. Like in the movie The Incredibles where the boy has to hold back his speed to make the race fair. <laughs> it's a good comparison. I mean, I... I I struggle with it as well. I talked through it in the first hour. I can't bring myself to root against Louisville ever. I just can't. It, it makes me happy to see them win. I can't change that. At the same time, I do think that the worst thing for the program would be for Kenny Payne to play this way, p- play his way into this being awkward where it's like, hey, they're 14 and 17, but they had a bunch of injuries and they, they got better as the season went on and look at the fight and think about how much better they could be next year. I think the issue with doing that right now, too, is that there's nobody coming in. Like You've got no recruits coming in. T.J. Robinson, I think, still is technically committed. Didn't sign with Louisville on National Signing Day, and he's a he's like number 124 in that class. And Kenny Payne's sitting out here now talking about you've got to get guys out of the transfer portal. Well, we've known you haven't done it for two years. So it's cool that you recognize that now. What faith do we have in his ability to be effective in the transfer portal? We've never, you know, he, he got Sky Clark and he got Trey White. That was great. We needed a lot more, and he chose not to do it and said, I don't really want to build a program that way. And now he's saying, I, I recognize that I have to build a program that way. How's that going to work? Like, like, It'd be great if we finish the season strong, but we need to be much, much better in year three to feel good about the direction of the program. And, and not, like bringing back just the pieces from this year's team, which there's no guarantee that that's going to happen either, I don't think is enough to, to feel really confident about that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I find myself struggling, but I, I just – I'm in the position where I'm just rooting for Louisville and just hoping that it all is going to work out for the best. And that's, that's all I can do. Texas last night was the first game that I finally said, I think I'm going to pass on today's beating and ran some errands rather than watch the game. I was shocked to see the final score. Should I never watch a game now if that means we will win? Yeah. That's the rule. Superstitions. Got to go by them. The guy who did make a, a $1 bet on my exact final score prediction <laughs> was like, I'll do this every game now until we lose. So, I mean, I... We don't have a show. I guess I'll have to give a final score at the end of tomorrow's show for the NC State game, and that guy's going to have to place a dollar bet. Man, you touched on it, but late in that second half when Miami was up like nine or whatever it was, it was looking so good. It felt very possible. And then I kind of felt like I jinxed it because I said something to Gil about it. Like, Mike picked 92 (laughs) to 70. He's We're we're headed that direction. And then, yeah. Not even close. All fell apart. Yeah, Patrick texted me. He's like, 92 to 70 is looking wildly (laughs) possible right now. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. And then didn't happen. But that was the better result. Texas KP has a perfect winning percentage in the post-Saban era, and the number one seed in the ACC tournament is still up for grabs. Jerry Eves laughs at us all. What a great day for Jerry Eves. I wonder if, because I, I, I don't, I have not listened to his show, but I do wonder if, like, if you're Jerry Eves and you do the thing where it's like, is that because him and KP are homies? Or yeah, like Jerry okay. Eves has been very, very out. You know, he wanted the job when Patino got it. The former players wanted him to get the job when Patino got it, and then he. You know, was very critical of Chris Mack because he thought that Payne should have gotten the job when Mack got it. And yeah, he was very boisterous. Among, not just him, a lot of people were 
about how Payne was the guy who could turn this thing around very quickly and nobody else could do the things that he was going to do. And then he's handled the, again, for, based on what people have told me, he's handled the losses by just like not talking about them. Like he just he just doesn't really discuss Louisville losing when they do. But I, like, I, I don't know. Like on a day like today, do you just come out guns blazing and be like, I told you, <laughs> it's, it, this is a sign of things to come. We're going to be fantastic and just ignore the fact that we're six and nine and still 236 in the net rankings. Or, or do you just, you know, try to be more tempered? I don't know, but it's a, regardless, it's a good day for him. The Kenny Payne haters are quiet today, right? That's what people are saying. Yep. Texas Cards fans last night uh, that are done with KP, and it's the Alonzo Morning gif of him you know, doing the shaking <laughs> the head, but it's still my, probably my favorite gif of all time. It's a great one. Texas says the only more surprising win was Louisville women over Baylor. Th- yeah, that one was definitely more surprising, which is crazy because I think we were like a four seed. And, and, you know, a four beating a one should not be that shocking, but we were like 26 one underdogs in that game and just rained a bunch of threes and made Brittany Griner and Kim Mulkey cry a little bit. That was great. Texas, the win is funny and it was a breath of fresh air, but it doesn't change anything for me in regards to firing KP. Also, why was Karan Davis in the box score? Did you see that on, on ESPN.com? They had Karan Davis listed as playing. I didn't. That wasn't on the box score I was looking at on ESPN. It may they may have changed it, but when the game first ended, because Trey White's on there too, and he wasn't on the box score that I was looking at earlier. You also had today Al Haji Muhammad, the former U of L player who's back in town. He tweeted out about five hours ago. I just got done playing pickup basketball with Karan Davis, shaking my head. The boy can flat out play. I like his game. I I think we need to do the Karan Davis podcast where it's just like the the, the fifteen part investigative. Yeah, please do. Quran Chronicles. Actually, while limited to that, when once this whole Kenny Payne era is over, I just want a full investigation on everything. Like, open all the doors. What what really happened? Card Chronicles. Because there's been a lot of weird stuff. I, I think that you know, have people like the Serial Podcast got really popular mm-hmm. with the the Adnan Syed case, and then they've done like four or five other chapters, and it's you know they kind of they. They wade in the same waters, but there's there's no there's no real direct connection between the, the the few cases. I think you could do a full podcast series where every season is something different related to Louisville basketball, Louisville sports in general. Mm-hmm. Like you could do Bobby Petrino in the 2018 season. Yep, how it fell apart so dramatically. I think that would be a fact. I mean, the, you know, the stories about players not knowing where Petrino's office was and him never being there. And like, like if you get to the bottom of that, that would be fascinating. Obviously, the Katina Powell, Andre McGee stuff. I think there's still a lot that has not been unearthed from that deal, and, and then like some positive ones. Like Por- I, oh, we got can't leave out Porcini's. Port, yeah, the, the, the Karen Cipher yep. deal would be. I mean, there's yeah, Tim Cipher going to his his dad's grave and asking Karen Cipher to marry him. That was, I mean, that very strange. It's just, it's a very very weird thing. There could be some positive ones though too. Like I, I've always said, if you could do a thirty for thirty on one Louisville thing. Personally, I would love one on March of 2012 because like Rick Pitino, it seemed like he was on the hot seat. I talked yesterday or two days ago about the people who were going after that Providence loss, who were tweeting me every day about it. You got to fire this guy. You got to fire this guy. And it seemed like he'd missed his chance to win a national title at Louisville with the 09 team. And they were coming off of back to back first round losses. They were underachieving that season. They ended on such a low note. And then, bam, they win the Big East tournament, and then, bam, they go to the Final Four. 
Like that changed the entire tide of the Patino era at Louisville for the better. Now it changed again with the scandal stuff a few years later. But like, I would love to, to kind of like talk to the players. Like, like what changed for you guys? Like they went from just being totally anemic on offense to finding just enough offense to beat some really really good teams, and that was as fun of a run besides the the national title run as I've ever had as a Louisville fan. But pod, you know, the podcast we could have like eight seasons of this podcast. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. We'd have to get some people to talk, but yeah. Yeah, we could do that. We can make it happen. The Big X powers, no, 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 no bounds. No, we talked about truth serum yesterday. Just get a little of that. Texas doesn't. How many of these are we going to have? Where would you rank this win in the Kenny Payne era? I'd say it's easily <laughs> top 10. Second time we've had that joke. That won't, probably won't be the last. It's the best win of the Kenny Payne era, if we're being serious. Yeah. It's the best win. Texas last night's fan reaction should be proof that all the fan base ever wanted for from KP was for him to win. Yeah, like that's a good point. For all the talk about, you know, there are people who are like this fan base always hated Kenny Payne and they want him to lose, and some people have ulterior motives and all this stuff. And it's not about him losing. It's they, they just don't like him personally, or they don't like the staff, or they don't like these players. For the most part, it was like unbridled joy from Louisville fans last night. Like the, the, the fan base is just so desperate to feel good about something. They just want whoever the head coach is. doesn't matter if it's Kenny Payne, you know, Eddie Payne, Teddy Payne, Payne Stewart, like, like whoever it is. Like they, they want them to win. And R.I.P. Payne Stewart, sorry, that was a bad name. It was the first name that came to my mind. They want whoever the head coach is to win games. And if there is a change... Like, whoever it is, if, if he comes in here and crushes it, he's going to be God. It doesn't matter what their background is. Like, you saw that last night. The, 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 the fan, again, for the most part, there were some people who were still you know, firing barbs when the, the, the final buzzer sounded. But for the most part, Louisville fans were like, cool, this is great. This It's fun to feel good about basketball for at least a night. I mean, that win was so big that me and Trevor don't have a bet this year, but say we did a bet, a $500 bet on 10 wins, and I had the under – I, that was enough to make me feel nervous. Yeah, if we had that bet, I mean, I, I could see a, a world where it's possible. Louisville now gets to double digit wins. I mean, I I don't think the Trevor ACT score is in jeopardy. I don't think they're getting to fourteen. Yeah, no, I don't see that either. Because they're six and nine now. They're one and three in the ACT. They have sixteen games left. So they would need to go. Oh yeah, they, they 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 would need to go nine and eleven in conference play to make that happen. That's you tough. You're asking for it to go five hundred the rest of the year. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. Uh, it w- would definitely be tough. It's a bad conference, though. So, Texas, if we win 14 games and recruiting is still what it is now, and only 5,000 people are at games, you can't bring him back. I agree, but I'm not the AD. Like when I'm talking about the the hypothetical where Louisville, you know, they do end up winning seven conference games or something along those lines, and they finish like 14 and 17. Maybe they win a game in the ACC tournament, and there's pressure on Josh to bring him back. I am not saying that that's my personal opinion. I. I I think that we need to move on, barring something far more extreme than that. And I'm talking like we go 14 and two to end the season, or we go 13 and three to end the season, and we win a couple of games in the ACC tournament. Barring something along those lines, I think that we need to to move on. I think that's what's best for the program. But I'm acknowledging that there is a world out there where there's significant pressure put on Josh Hurd to give Kenny Payne a, a third year because, hey, he went 15-16 and 16 with a, a roster that was significantly hindered by departures and injuries. You can't just gloss over that, and I do think that will happen. And I have no idea how willing Josh is to listen to that. I don't know. You know, I, I just don't know. I think there's a world where he could get a third year. 
out of that. But that would not be my choice. Text says, and this is the last one. I hope I can get to the point where U of L basketball victories bring me joy and make me giddy. Last night mostly just made me laugh at the expense of Miami and the fact that one loss may be what keeps them out of the tournament. I do feel bad for Coach L, though. Miami fans don't deserve him. They don't. Like, like he's Jim Laranaga is too good for Miami, for sure. But they got a lot of money down there, and they've wanted a high level with him. I I did feel like when I talked about feeling like just happy last night. It wasn't unbridled joy. It wasn't. It, it wasn't like it. It has been in the past, where it's like, you know, you're watching the highlights on TV over and over again, and you're looking at what everyone's writing about the game and all the highlight videos that are out there and all that stuff. And you know, could this have taken us from a three seed to a two seed and all that stuff? It, it wasn't like that. But I did feel happy. It, it, it wasn't like I can't sleep. I'm so excited about Louisville beating Miami. But it was. There was joy for sure. Uh, Miami did drop last night, by the way, thirty from thirty eight to sixty one in the net rankings. That's a significant plummet. They fell, also fell to number 62 you know, on Ken Palm. That's bad. Texas, I came incredibly close to putting a fair amount of money on Miami last night. I'm very glad that I got distracted and forgot to do that. So there's, there's that. Well done. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys. Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Have your thoughts heard on the show. It's your damn show. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, but it's yours as well. Here on 1450 The Big X. And it's a great day to be. Celebratory edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 961 The Big X. It's uh, still putting a cap on the Cardinal victory over Miami last night. Other things are going on as well, but for the most part, we're focusing on Louisville men's basketball taking down the Miami Hurricanes 80 to 71 last night in Coral Gables. Your reaction to that? Are you excited? Do you still not care? Are you mad? 502 414 is the Thornton's text line? So, Scoochie said you 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 and Gil watched the game last night. Uh, I watched it. Well, Gil was playing video games. He was loosely paying attention to it. He doesn't really care. He classic he's, Gil. He's a Kentucky fan. He doesn't even like watch every Kentucky game. Classic. It's Gil. wild. He just just doesn't care. One of the best teams he's had in his lifetime, and he hasn't watched every game. At least you guys got to spend some quality time. I know you've, you haven't been hanging out as much recently. <laughs> it's nice that you got to even even just not not doing the same thing. Just nice to be in the same room, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Trust me, I, know. I I get it. I get it. Had to hear all about his work stories. Oh, I get that too. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you have a couple kids, it, it gets harder. Hate talking work after work. It's tough. It's tough. We all fight through it. It's just what roommates and, and married people do. It's fine. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sex line. Texas, I'm both a U of L and a Miami fan. Whoa. And I'm so confused from last night's game. <laughs> I don't know what I would think. I mean, first of all, how are you both a U of L and a Miami fan? First time texter. That's wild. First, if yeah, just clearly that driven to madness that they have to text the show. Texas, did you catch Kenny talking to Paul Rogers after the game and dropping some spirit children praise on Mike James? I did not. I, I caught the post game presser with the media. 
I did not hear the Paul Rogers conversation, but hey, man, when you win, you can throw out all the spirit children stuff you want. You have to take advantage of these situations. I, I loved when one of, the, one of the most brazen things that I've ever seen in college sports, I don't know if you remember the Scoots, but when Kentucky won the national title in 2012, like John Calipari, he recognized, like, I've got full reign now. I can say whatever I want. Like, this fan base, they they criticize every little thing. But right now, I gave them what they wanted. I'm God. And so he he did the whole thing where he was like, he called Kentucky, like, not a traditional program anymore. He's like, we, he's like we're not a traditional program. We don't, he's like, we're not worried about our history. We're more worried about, like, getting these guys to the NBA. And Kentucky fans are like, well, you know, we care more about our history than, like, any fan base in any sport. But... You just won us the national title, and it looks like we're going to be preseason number one with this recruiting class that seems to be working well. Sure, yeah, whatever you want. Like, like he could have said, like, you know, Adolph Rupp actually sucked, and there's no reason to have this building named after him. And Kentucky <laughs> fans would have been like, cool, whatever you want, buddy. Like, like he got his he got his fill while he struck while the iron was hot. And now in recent years, when he hasn't been quite as popular, he's he's kind of walked some stuff back. You have to find some mutual enemies. You got to you got to pick on them a little bit. But you know, when you got it good. You got to take advantage. And Kenny Payne, if you wanted to throw out some spirit children stuff last night, last night was the time to do it. Make it work. Tell another tight story. Why not? We won. Nobody cares. Texas says Mike yesterday mentioned Stoops not ranking Louisville, but don't you think it's a little crazy that U of L only dropped nine spots after three straight losses, two of which were to unranked teams? I mean, Georgia fell five after losing to Bama. No, because I mean you have to look at the teams around them. Like everybody's losing games late in the season. If you're a top fifteen team. You know, playing quality opponents, and I think all the teams around them were losing. And Louisville was ten and one before they started that losing streak. So, not crazy that they didn't drop out of the top twenty-five entirely. Not crazy that they ended as a top twenty team. They were the best part about Stoops not ranking them in the coaches' poll is that they finished eighteenth in the coaches' poll. I think he was one of like two people that didn't didn't have him <laughs> in his final top twenty-five. Um, Seems petty. It, it does, but like, look. I get where he's coming from. If his whole stance, and he said it publicly, is like they're not from our conference, they're not as good as we are, then and you beat them, cool, throw them down there. The problem with you know, if you wanted to drop Louisville like out of the top twenty-five, who are you putting above them? Like, you know, Clemson, same record, nine and four, lost three games in conference, the same conference that Louisville went seven and one in. NC State's right there at number twenty. They went nine and four, same record as Louisville. Louisville beat them on their home field. Um, you know, Kansas is nine and four. Iowa's ten and four. Like you know, just there aren't a lot of sexy candidates once you get down there to like that twelve to twenty five range. You know, I mean, you've got a Notre Dame team that lost that went ten and three, same amount of wins as Louisville, five spots ahead of Louisville. Louisville beat them pretty badly on their home field. Like, doesn't just, that seem ridiculous? Because they put Texas in the champ or in the playoff because Alabama or they beat Alabama. Yeah, I mean, head to head stuff. At some point, you have to kind of put it aside, I, I guess. But yeah, I mean, Notre Dame also just absolutely destroyed USC and Pitt, both of whom who beat Louisville. So you know, you, once point. you start doing the the transitive property stuff, it gets a little bit tough. But no, I mean, I think Louisville nineteen feels feels about right. I'm fine with that. Texas says, Mike, would you sing Penny Lane with Kenny Payne? <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Payne, there is a barber showing photographs of every head he's had the pleasure to know. Um, I can't, I, I'm trying to think of some clever lyrics to, to mix in. I can't do it. You're struggling today with your lyrics. I kind of am. I kind of am. Normally you're on, you're Johnny on the spot with it, but you're not so great today. 
I know. I just I'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too happy. Too happy to have sad <laughs> lyrics. You know, misery forms great art. I, I just I can't. I'm too happy to be creative today. On the corner is the banker with the motor car. Texture says five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Otherwise, I don't. Uh, I, I better see them win if pain is going to be kept for a year three. Otherwise, I don't care what they do. I won't pay attention. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it's fine. Like I said, no ju- This is a no judgment era. For the next couple months, I don't judge. However, fans have to get through this period of time. Not judging. Don't care if you say I'm not paying attention. I'm not judging you. I just hope you keep listening to the show and interacting. I appreciate that. Texas last night's game results changes nothing. Only was the only way this win means anything is if it starts a conference winning trend slash stringing multiple wins together. In that case, it still changes nothing because those expectations were the exact same. Also, going into last night's game. This literally changes nothing. Do you think it changes anything, Texter? Wow. <laughs> Very adamant that it changes nothing. I, I, I mean, I, can you I, be happy for one day? You can. I mean, I agree with the point. It's one of those where it's like, you're not wrong, Walter. You're just an a hole. Save know, you, it for tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I, he's or she is totally right. Like, in the big picture, this changes nothing. And I don't think that you get, you don't get credit for being better. When you sucked way more than anybody thought you were going to suck for the beginning of the season. It's like people who were like, if he wins 10 games this year, think about how much of a step that is up from four wins. Like, we didn't get credit for that. He set the bar at four wins. It's his, it's his fault that we went four and 28 next to uh, last season. So, you know, if you're talking about, well, they're, they're, they're playing better now and look how bad they were at the beginning of the season. He was the coach at the beginning of the season, too. So you don't get credit for, you know, digging yourself out of this hole we went from five and nine to being nine and twelve over a couple of weeks. You're the reason we were five and nine. Like you could have easily avoided this. If you can beat Miami on the road, you should have beaten DePaul on the road. You should have beaten Arkansas State at home, and you certainly should have beaten Chattanooga at home. So I mean, come on, you know, it's. I agree, but for now, I'm choosing to enjoy and bask in the glow of winning a game on the road for the first time in over two years. Texas, I'm honestly and truly excited for our players and happy for them, but unfortunately, I just feel blah about the win. KP still needs to be fired. Winning a couple of random conference games won't do anything for our resume for the future. I'm just happy the players got to experience that. Each one of them needs to play for their future. Yeah. Can can we all just agree that we want KP gone and that we agree that's going to happen? I think so. But but you can still be happy for the players and the team at the same time. I would hope so. I mean, I, I I would hope that most people are like, like it was cool to see Mike James galloping into the locker room after that performance and getting interviewed on TV after the game last night. It, it was cool to see the players celebrating an opponent's locker room. We quite literally have never seen it in, in the Kenny Payne era. Uh, we've never seen them celebrate in a neutral court locker room. It was just, it, it was fun. I mean, that was a, they, they deserve it. I mean, the players... They're aware of what people are talking about. It's impossible to, to completely ignore. Even if you delete your social media, even if you don't hop on the internet, like you can't ignore it. Like if you have the TV on at any point, you, I mean, you're going to hear murmurs from classmates. You're going to hear murmurs. Like they, somebody on your team is probably going to bring up what they've heard or what they've seen. Everybody in that locker room is well aware of what the rest of the city and the rest of the country is saying about them, and that has to weigh on you I think you like you had Brandon Huntley Hatfield I think it was after the maybe it was after the Arkansas State game it was after one of the he was like crying at the post game press conference where he's like I just I, I don't it's like I don't know why it's not getting better I don't know like 
they have been through a lot. It was nice to see them have at least one night where they could feel like they were on top of the world. Like that was that was fine. I think you said it right. It's fine to see that and be like, I still want Kenny Payne fired. I still don't think he's the right guy for the job. That's where I am. But I'm not going to be like, eh, I hate that they won. I'm glad that they won. I am. Texas, I find myself saying the same thing this season. They haven't quit on KP. Conference play will decide Kenny's future. Maybe. I mean, it's going to take a whole hell of a lot more than than this one game. And it's going to take a whole hell of a lot more than, than just like three or four games for this to be enough to justify giving Kenny Payne a third year. Like, we have won... Which, by the way, I love the. You remember the graphic we talked about yesterday, where they had the the, the big bubble. Yeah. All the teams that have won a top, beaten a top two hundred Ken Palm team, and then it was like, "LOL, not you." Suck it, DePaul. Just Louisville, DePaul. Here's the problem, though. We jumped into the top two hundred in Ken Palm, so it's a self defeating thing. DePaul now does have a, a top two hundred victory, and so do we. So there, <laughs> there are no teams. We're one eighty eight <laughs> on Ken Palm now after that win. We jumped um, almost forty spots after beating Miami last night on the road, but. If we turn around, because people were excited about beating Clemson last year, and then we ended up losing out and weren't really competitive in any one of our... So we beat Clemson by 10 at home. A pretty good Clemson team. Clemson team that almost made the NCAA tournament. We lost to 17 by 17 to Duke, 16 to Georgia Tech, 17 to Virginia Tech, 15 to Virginia, and then 22 to Boston College in the ACC tournament. That was how we, that's how we responded to that success. If we turn around and do the same thing this year, where it's like, cool, we beat Miami, I'm feeling good, and then we lose handily to NC State, handily to Carolina, handily to Wake, handily to Duke, handily to Virginia, handily to Clemson, which is all possible. Those are our, our six pretty good teams. Like, this does nothing. This changes nothing. It was a momentary cause for joy, cause for happiness, cause for excitement, but big picture-wise, it, it, it didn't change anything. If we're competitive in those games and win a couple of them, then, you know, Maybe we change the conversation a little bit. I personally wouldn't, but I don't run the show here. Texas stoops to FSU. And then sends a link to a tweet which says, Mike Norvell has called an emergency team meeting this afternoon. It's also been confirmed that FSU Athletic Director Michael Alford has... No, this is a, this is a fake account. Don't fall for the fake accounts. <laughs> don't, don't fall for the fake accounts. I, there are legitimate rumors out there about Mike Norvell. This is not one of them. They have the blue check mark? Oh, yeah. Oh, kidding. It means nothing anymore. Um, getting crafty. I can see. I mean, Steve Clarkson. I, I saw this. Pierce's dad, who's very connected to the world of college football, said he's got a crystal ball saying Mike Norvell to Bama, Jim Harbaugh to the Raiders, Lane Kiffin to the Chargers, Jed Fish, our boy, the Jeff Brom of the West, the Florida State, Joe Brady to Ole Miss, Cliff Kingsbury to Arizona, Sharon Moore stays at Michigan, and then Bill Belichick to the Washington Commanders. What a sequence of events that would be. Sounds good to me. Just leave Jeff alone. Just let just let Jeff stay here. But I mean, you're probably feeling the same way right now, where you're like, uh, just you know, as long as we keep Kurt Signetti. Oh yeah. Well, I got to see what he does first. The most oh, yeah. popular O and O coach in in all of college football right now. Yeah. I I don't blame you. I'd be excited about about that too. Texas, of course, there's merit to Moon Spirit Powers. You do realize that Teen Wolf was based on a true story, don't you? I'll buy into the Teen Wolf hype if the Lions went on Sunday and we went on Saturday in basketball. Are you a moon? What's the weirdest thing that you genuinely believe, Scoots, that you can admit on the radio? Man. Um, gosh, two days in a row. That's a, such a hard question. Sorry. Uh, let me think on that. 
because there's a, you know there are give me give me what's yours. There was a, I don't know there was there was a great thread on I think it was on Twitter a few years ago where it was like, what's a a conspiracy theory that you genuinely believe? And a lot of people were going into some good ones like the, um, like I, there here's one. I don't have anything to back this up. There's too many car washes in Louisville. There's something going <laughs> on with these car washes. Maybe it's just because I've seen Breaking Bad. I, I'm sure they're not all money laundering, but there's like there's a car wash every. 25 feet in the city, and there's never anybody using them. I don't know what's going on with the car washes, but something's going on with the car washes. That's one. Um, so really the only one I could think of, which, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, maybe it's a little more ludicrous, but there's more people coming around to it now. But I fully believe that there is other life out there. Oh, I do too. Besides us. I I, I, I do too. I'm, I'm but I mean, that's, that's becoming one of those things that it's not, you're not crazy anymore if you believe that. That's just... Well, the government it, just, it seems too likely. Well, the government recently has been basically like, yeah, there's aliens. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> we're not telling you outright, but we're pretty much telling you there's aliens. That's what Trevor thinks you're ridiculous. Hope, if you, if hope you we get that. to see him one day. That's that's my only hope for my life before I pass on. Just hope we get like visual evidence of outside life. You and my dad. That's that's kind of his thing too. I don't. I hopefully have more time than your dad. I don't want to see. No, I, no. My would, would why honest admission on the radio. My like biggest fear in life outside of dying is aliens terrify me i've been since i was a kid ter- and it's probably because my dad was like so into it like he was the head of like the ufo something in town for a long time and he was always talking about it and all like, always super into it like i'm just terrified well, i'm just i'm so curious how they look because i know it's they probably don't look like what we've always seen and it, it could be another fun fo- and there's there's probably multiple galaxies where there's living life so yeah just hopefully one day i, I think my fear is ba- it's, it's one of those where it's a lack of control thing. Like if you're, if a superior being wants to do something to like, like there's nothing I can do, right? Like, you know, if they've got some sort of crazy, you know, psychological powers, they can yeah. just, you know, you know, if they want to beam you up into their ship or whatever it is, like you're, you're at their mercy. It's kind of like, I don't like flying. Ooh, I love flying. I don't. And we're flying again. We're flying next month. It'd be the first time I've flown, flown in a, in a while. And I'm already, kind of anxious about it but like it's a lack of control thing i i know all the stats are out there it's so much safer to fly than it is to drive but you know with driving you can tell yourself if something happens out there like i can i can do something to prevent this right like that's mm-hmm. it's in your control yeah but you can't take a nap while you're driving well no that's why i like flying so well, much because it's a guaranteed two-hour nap but like if Let's you get it. you know if, you, if something happens to an airplane like you're you're screwed there's nothing you can do about it it's going to be quick it's going to be bad and yeah like, but you if know, i'm you're if, done if you're asleep you won't know what's going on well that's even more terrifying no right? i mean you're going to crash and it's going to be all over and nothing yeah it'd be fine it's not going to be fine <laughs> it's, it's it's the exact opposite of being fine <laughs> It's over. Like that's it's not fine at all. It's the worst case scenario. But it was quick. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, and at don't the end of the day, you want to go quick, right? I want to know what's going on. I do. I want to be aware. I'm saying that now. Maybe I'll change my tune when I get a little bit older. But I, I, I would like to be aware. A quick, sudden death terrifies me. Hmm. I want to be able to like brace myself for it, even if it's a little bit painful. Have you ever thought about how you wanted to die? Of course. What's your go-to? <laughs> It's funny because I just had the whole spiel about I want it to be quick, but my my dream has always been some sort of animal attack. Just so there's like a, <laughs> I, I've I've always wanted it to be a fun story. I don't want it to be like oh he went to sleep one night and passed in his sleep peacefully. I don't I don't want that. That's so boring. Give uh, me like a bear attack or something. I mean, I was gonna say like somehow heroically saving the entire world from a nuclear holocaust, like throwing my <laughs> you know something like that. But I mean, I, you know. 
at the age of 156 going out after a long drawn out <laughs> illness that, that that's that's how i want to go I'm the <laughs> oldest the oldest living human being you would you would sign up for 156 oh yeah i, I, I do not want to die I, I don't want this ride to stop anytime soon man I, I, I'm, I'm i'm raring to go anywhere past 80 i'm good I mean, I'd, I'd sign up for that at this point, especially after the last couple of years. Texas says, every time that Scoots talks about Gil, I think of Oscar's part. Yeah, that's the, that's the, <laughs> that is the joke, I believe. <laughs> that's the joke. That's yes. where that comes from. That's where it comes from. Yeah, they're the KRC boys in the morning, they're really big Office fans, so that's where that came from. I enjoy the Office. I wonder if Gil knows. Texas, don't get me wrong, I'm really glad that we won, but this is exactly why firing him during the holiday break would have been perfect. We could have freely celebrated stuff like this because the big question would have already been answered. Instead, I find myself holding back because I don't want to give the impression that I'm okay with Kenny. I think I, I don't. Like, you're far from alone. I think a lot of people are sharing that same sentiment, expressing that same sentiment today. I will say, as as much as I did like the win last night, could you imagine? Like, let's say that we brought in David Paget or Peyton Siva or Mark Lieberman or a combination of of all those guys after the Kentucky game, and that happened last night. The same exact thing happened. We lose handily to Pitt uh, in Virginia and then we go on the road and we beat Miami the narratives that would be out there again with these same exact everyone would be like see all they needed was a couple of weeks of coaching to figure this out and to get you're already seeing the improvements out there I do think the win would have been celebrated more yeah, by, by Louisville fans for and, sure but you know it, we now know and this is like you know kind of one of those alternate universe type deals like it would have been disingenuous because they they did the exact same thing with Kenny Payne, but it would—it probably would have been more fun if we'd had a different coach. Because no fans would be like, "This is going against our best interests," unless you were like concerned about whoever the interim was getting the job full time, which I think is why you 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 bring in someone from the outside because that's not a, not really an issue. Texas is everyone picturing Gil from Breaking Bad as the roommate? Nope, Gil from the Office. By the way, you you asked if he knew. He does. When I first told him about this, I mean, we're going on probably over a year now of him going by that. Uh, and when I told him, he, I guess, looked up the backstory. He looks over at me. He goes, you know, they're basically calling us gay, right? <laughs> like, well, we're not. So it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Gil from Breaking Bad, I, I I do kind of picture him looking like that. I don't know how he actually looks, but I, I, I can see Gil looking like you that. You didn't see him at the golf scramble? I never know. I, I never got to talk to him at the golf scramble. Hmm. Trevor said he, he saw him and like, called him Gil. He's like, I still don't know his real name. But he met him. <laughs> That's how Gil wants it to stay. That's, yeah, he's, he's a mystery to me. <laughs> I, I enjoy that. Texas has science teacher here. Here we go. The waxing crescent moon is the first phase of the moon after the new moon. It's waxing because it is the first part of the moon that you see because the first part of the moon you see is the right and you see more of the moon each day until it is full. Each phase lasts about three and a half days for a total cycle of 28 days. Hmm. This is my favorite one. So when you see only the left side, it's when it's waxing crescent, I guess. Would it be waning crescent? A waning crescent, yeah. I'm looking at, he's in a chart and this actually helps. Yeah, those letters are tiny. I thought that was an X. I I to zoom in, yeah. So you got waxing crescent, new moon, waning crescent, uh, last quarter. I don't like the last quarter. Waning gibbous, full moon, waxing gibbous, and then first quarter half moon. Last quarter is the coolest. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just from a look, I, mean, I feel like I'm I'm a I'm a waxing crescent guy though. I have to be out of necessity. This is my time to shine. This is when things go well for me. Yeah, I say you get that exact tap. That chart. 
No, just the just the waxing, the waxing crescent. crescent yeah. yeah, maybe that will be. If I lose, if I win a bet at some point or lose a bet at some <laughs> point, I'll get a, a waxing crescent moon tattoo. Texas Mike James said what we were all thinking after the win last night. Paraphrasing, we can beat this really talented team, so we have no excuse not to compete in the every ACC game. I'm pretty sure they won't, but the talent is there. I do like that Mike James came out and said that, where he was like, "We went up against a good team last uh, tonight, beat them on their home floor. Moving forward, there's no excuse because I think that's what the fan base." Like if you go out there and like I said, if this returns to business as usual, and they just go through the motions and get hammered by NC State and Carolina blows them out and all this stuff, then it's like we know you can do it. I mean, as exciting as it is to go down there and beat a a, a good, not great Miami team, it is frustrating because you see, like, you know, there's been all this debate about for the last two years, the level of talent is the talent is the coaching is the players. There's no question. Like, if you can beat Miami the way that Louisville beat Miami last night, you've got the players to be. I mean, they should have a winning record right now. That that's not too much to ask. When you see Brandon Huntley Hatfield do what he's done against quality competition several times this year, when you see Mike James ball out like that, when you see Sky Clark step up in the final moments, there's no excuse for Louisville to have losses to Chattanooga, DePaul, and Arkansas State. I mean, I'm like. They could have closed things out against Texas and Indiana, but those three games, you flip those three games. You flip Chattanooga, who you lost to at home by 10. You flip Arkansas State, who you lost to at home by 12. You flip DePaul, who's terrible, and you lost to it on the road by seven. And even with the same conference record, you're nine and six. It's not great. You're not going to go to the NCAA tournament. You know, people still have questions about Kenny Payne, but it's understandable. It's an acceptable record given the roster and given the schedule and I think it's frustrating now to look back and be like there's just like the Arkansas State performance was all-time low and there's just the players we know are not entirely the issue because last night the talent was on full display for a large part of the night Curtis Williams he can play Tyler Johnson he's got skills Sky Clark capable point guard Brent Hunley Hatfield could be a draft pick with with the right attitude the right system the right all that stuff and Mike James has the potential to be a very, very good college player moving forward. No excuse to lose those three teams mentioned. I can't, I can't be the only one who hears Mike James and wants to be like, who? Mike James. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I think, okay. I think several announcers have played into that. I mean, oh, have they? Okay. When we first signed him, yeah, I was like, if, you know, I was like, I'm gonna beat this thing into the ground. I think I got like half a year of it, and then I was like, hey, it's already two. I've done too much with it. Who? <laughs> Texas says Kenny Payne beat a two-time Final Four coach. This moon bleep might have some substance. I'm I'm telling you, I'm a moon, I'm a full moon person. Texas, how do we win this game? I didn't turn it on once because I assumed that we would lose. There were a lot of people <laughs> that were like, I just didn't watch. I mean, you know, we had people that work here that were like, didn't watch the game. Should I go home and watch the replay? I'm like, if you want to watch them win, then yeah. Texas, would you rather have an alien as a coach or a player? Player. Gotta be player, right? Yeah. I mean, they'd be out of this world. Coach can have a, <laughs> eh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> alien coach can have the best game plan alive. If you don't have the right players, it's not going to matter. We, you need a, a player out there affecting stuff. Well, and their basketball might be different. Sure. Very much a uh, you know Space Jam, Jetsons movie type. Se- yeah. People forget about the basketball se- uh, scenes in the in the Jetsons movie. Very much the same plot. Texas Fred Hoiberg, mayor for life. Yeah, he could be the mayor for life here. Sorry, Craig Greenberg. Sorry, Jerry Abramson, who still is the only mayor that Trevor will recognize, which I love. He's like, he's the mayor forever. 
forever. All right, we got to go to break. When we come back, 5 o'clock hour. We've got a couple football stories to get to, uh, some national stuff that I want to get Scoot's thoughts on, and then we'll hear more from you guys on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on the Big X. What a beautiful mess I made Spending all my time with you There's nothing else I'd rather do What a sweet addiction that I'm caught up in the kids screaming, phone ringing, dog barking at the mailman, bringing that stack of bills. Good morning, baby. How are you? you got a half hour. Is this newer country scoots? No, this is uh, this is probably middle two thousand. I don't know this. You know this. I don't know. Just another day in paradise. Maybe, maybe another hook. Let me let me go forward. This is terrible. No, still no. No. You're missing out. Phil Vassar. Shout out to Phil Vassar. Yeah. Phil and Gil. I think that was maybe, he may have been a one-hit wonder, actually. Yeah. I don't know if I know any of his other songs. It is another day in paradise. It's actually our first day in paradise in 738 days. Absolutely, yeah. I thought it was fitting. As the cards get a road win last night over Miami. First time since January 2nd, 2022. Our our first uh, road win over a coach not named Josh Pastner since, I don't know, I should have looked this up before I did this. Um, <laughs> because, you know, Pastner's not, not not even an active coach anymore. Uh, we beat Kevin Keats at NC State, the Matt Cross game back on December 4th of 2021, that same year, back when Louisville had some hope for that season after a 6-2 and two start. Started 4-0 in the ACC. That was the first of uh, those four victories. And then we turned right around six days later and lost at home to DePaul. <laughs> Ruined DePaul day forever. That's when I never, you know, I, that's when I was done with Chris Mack. I was like, you, you killed DePaul Day. It was your first home game back. I'm done. Out. Boom. And uh, it was not long after that. Been that, some rough DePaul days. Well, DePaul Day, that's when DePaul Day died. DePaul Day, the whole theme of the holiday was it's impossible for us to lose to these guys. So when we actually did, the, the holiday, it ceased to exist. It became no more. It, it, it was eviscerated. And when people try to talk about, hey, it was DePaul Day. So, no, there is no DePaul Day anymore. The whole, just like, of the holiday is was gone. The whole, it, it's like you know, if, if if Thanksgiving, if the we found out that the Pilgrims never existed, you can't do Thanksgiving anymore, right? I guess we kind of did. The origins of Thanksgiving were not what we were told growing up, so it's maybe a bad example. But you get what I'm saying. I wasn't going to go with Christmas. I was, <laughs> I was not going to use that as the example. Uh, we got to. We've been talking mostly today about the the Louisville victory over Miami last night, what it means, what it does. I, I feel like the general sense that we've gotten from the the text line is like, cool, I'm not really swayed that much by it. Was happy that they won, but I still am firmly in the Kenny Payne's got to go camp, which I understand. I mean, I get it. I just, you know, I wasn't going to let it affect me. To a point where I wasn't going to celebrate a win over Miami last night, right? Which is where I was. I mean, they've been few and far between. When they happen, gotta soak them up. 
You gotta soak. You have to feel good for the kids, right? They're just kids, for God's sake. It's what you gotta say. Uh, speaking of, of kids, the U of L women's basketball team is in action tonight. The Cards will take on Pitt. It's actually coming up here at six o'clock, so less than an hour to go uh, between the tip off between the Cards and the Panthers. You can hear all the action on our sister station nine seventy WGTK. You can watch all the action on the ACC network tonight. The Cards. Looking to remain perfect in conference play. Pitt is 0-3 in league play and 6-10 overall. Uh, is a road game at Pitt. Louisville, we talked about this a, a little bit last week. Cards, the schedule really ratchets up uh, a notch or three next month. They'll play the best teams in the conference. It gets a little bit tougher at the end of January, but they're kind of feasting right now on some of the bottom dwellers in the league. Sounds they, like Indiana. Yeah, they did have a nice win over Miami last week, which this has kind of been for all the, you know, the, the well, Louisville's a little bit down as an athletic program. It's been a dominant year already over Miami. The women's basketball team beat a nationally ranked Miami team. The football team went on the road and knocked off Miami. The volleyball team swept Miami a couple of times. Uh, And then the men's basketball team goes down there and beats them. We basically own Miami. It's ours. All of your players belong to us. (laughs) Suck at Miami. It also has been a, a good overall, I think, better year than maybe we thought. The... You know, Kentucky fans will always do the thing where it's like, you're not better than us in anything. You suck at every sport besides, you know, volleyball. Louisville finished the fall semester in 13th place in the Director's Cup Division One standings. Kentucky, by the way, 44th in those same standings. So Louisville, good run in, in the fall sports. UK, I'm sure, will make up because their rifle team won a national title. But for right now, Louisville, the number 13 athletic program in the country after the fall sports. Number one's North Carolina. Kind of surprised by that. But, you know, they dominate field hockey. Um I think they did. What they they won women's soccer again, or went to the final four in women's soccer. They did, they're always good in, in in women's soccer. So good on them. Good on the ACC. ACC and the Pac-12, by the way, have the most national championships so far this year, which is kind of hilarious considering the, the, the way that the program is, uh, the way that the sport is, is shifting. Uh, as a as a Big Ten fan, as an Indiana fan, is there excitement on your end for bringing in? UCLA and, and USC and these other you know West Coast powers and teams from all of the like, is, is there excitement or are you kind of dreading this? Uh, dreading it very much so. Dreading it. I feel like that's most Big Ten fans. Yeah. I, well, I mean, for me specifically, I'm mean, Indiana basketball has not been great for the last 20, 25 years, however long it's been. And those four power, those four teams coming in for basketball. While they're not all that powerful, it just adds the whole travel element, and I don't really know what to expect out of that. Now, in terms of football, I, I was telling Gil two nights ago, it all this means with UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon coming in, Indiana's never going to win a football game again. Yeah. I mean, it's going to – and I say that tongue-in-cheek because I don't – I have no idea what to expect out of Signetti, but it just – it seems like Indiana's going to get very few football wins moving forward. It's – it's different than what Louisville's dealing with because I think you look at Cal and SMU and Stanford coming in, and you're like, the travel concerns are the same. It's going to feel super strange to be playing a Thursday night game against Cal in Berkeley, California. Like yeah. That's going to be super weird. But those are programs in both football and men's basketball that you feel like we should be better than. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we, we're playing two of them next year. We're playing SMU and we're playing Stanford. Like, those are two teams we probably should beat next year. And then in basketball, I mean, Cal is, is one program that's been kind of as bad as us the last couple, couple of years. Uh, SMU's been fine, but they play in the AAC. And, and then Cal and then Stanford has not done much in, in the last decade or so. So it, it, it's different. Like, I, I feel like it's just, it's kind of, 
a non-value add in terms of like just those big sports, mm-hmm. but it's annoying still to have this expansion to have, I mean, we're going to have conference seasons coming up next year where some of these leagues are still playing eight game schedules, including the ACC. And you've got 18 teams. There are, I saw someone figured out with the big 10 schedule for next year. There's a scenario in play where you could have five teams that finish the conference with an unbeaten record. How the hell are you supposed to figure that out? Yeah, these conference championship games are going to be ridiculous. I also saw Big Ten fans that were super upset by the um, the map commercial going away forever. Remember that? Oh, yeah, that that does kind of make me sad. Yeah, because now you have to do the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, they could do it, right? I guess. I I, I guess. Just like squip slide over the Midwest real quick till you get to, I guess, Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's or would that be the West? The West? It's too hard. We, we, we can't do it anymore. You mentioned the story. I, I do want to talk about this briefly. The the ESPN story about ESPN essentially using fake names to secure Emmys for its its college game day stars, among other people. Basically, since at least 2010, ESPN would insert fake names into Emmy entries and then took the awards that were won by those imaginary individuals and had, had them re-engraved to give to their on-air personalities. Now, the rule that, that I guess they were upset with it does seem kind of silly to me. Mm-hmm. Like you can like if, if a show wins an Emmy, only a certain amount, I think only like one or two on-air personalities can get the actual award for that. All the behind the scenes people they can get Emmys and, and this stuff. But basically ESPN was like, we're so worried about the egos of some of our bigger personalities. We have to give them these awards that they can like put in their offices or put at their homes. Like we, they have to have something that they can hold, something tangible to say, I'm doing a good job. I matter. I'm cool. Look at me. And so when they would submit, say, College Game Day for an Emmy Award, they would submit these fake names like Kirk Henry and like Tim Corso and all, all the because no. Lee Clark was Corso. Lee Clark name. was Corso. So they, you know, names that were somewhat easily alterable. Dirk for, Howard for Desmond Howard. For an engraver to give them these awards. And then when they would win, these these on-air personalities that weren't technically supposed to be getting Emmy awards would just get them from ESPN. Now, some of them said that they never knew. Like, hey, it just showed up. I, I, I thought nothing of it. They mentioned poor Linda Cohn at the end of the story. who's like, I've got four Emmys. And she's showing them off. And like, she actually only won one. So... It's a it's a weird look for ESPN. I don't know if they're, but it's it's also a weird look for some of the, the fragile egos that are out there that just had to have awards to make themselves feel good about themselves. If I'm Sam Ponder, I'm ticked off today. When I figure out they changed my name from Sam to Stephen, they turned me from a woman to a man. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's tough. It, it is weird. Yeah, I just I don't know why they would do that. Just because they hated the rule. It see it, wants someone to show off. I guess it does seem very egotistical. Now, I, so growing up, I, I would always go to restaurants, and you know they they'll have like you know Leo or like Best of Louisville award, like Best Pizza, nineteen ninety nine. And so when I was fortunate enough to like win some of those awards, like winning like Leo Award, Best whatever website, and Best of Louisville awards, I'm like, cool, I'm gonna get some awards for this. I didn't realize you have to like get those yourself. You, you, you <laughs> they don't just send those to you. You'll have these like third-party companies will email you and they'll email you nonstop. Be like, congratulations on your award! Like, we'd love to hook you up with like this engraved piece. I'm like, cool. And you look at it, it's like, pay us two hundred nineteen dollars for this like best of Louisville best writer award or third place writer award or whatever it would be. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. If I had a 
like a, I get why restaurants do it. I get why places of business do it. It's a cool thing to walk in and look at. But like, well, you know, I don't need that for my basement. I don't. I don't need it. You know, what I do. I, maybe I would put it in here just harass TJ and Nick, just like <laughs> hanging on the wall right there. But like, if if, if you won best producer in like the best which, the best of Louisville awards, you should absolutely best big X producer it should be its own category. <laughs> there don't there'd only be two people. No, I want all the smoke with the other guys too. Well, you, 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 it's, let's say you won that. And you had to pay like two hundred bucks to get like a little trophy. For I'm not. It. I'm not. You're not gonna it. do it. No, yeah. you're not gonna do it. It does remind me of when we had like for Trinity, like you would have like the the senior awards at senior prom, and there were it was like best, you know, Mr. Fall Sport, Mr. Basketball, Mr. Baseball, Mr. Football, and there were only like three finalists. And so four of my friends played basketball in the senior class, and so I knew one of them was not, was not going to be a finalist for the basketball award. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a popularity contest. Which one of you isn't going to make the final ballot? And Actually, I, I felt bad. Now that I'm looking at the wall in here, I might spend that $200 because it would look really good hanging over the door where Trevor a, can see it every day. It'd be a tough look for Trevor. Yeah. He would struggle with it. He does still claim he, he does not buy your contention that you've moved ahead of him in, in the producer rankings okay. at Big X. He still thinks he's better. Some of us are always going to be delusional. He's just, he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's resting on his laurels. He's, he's not putting in the effort anymore. He has the better takes. I'll give him that. I'll, I'll give way to that. He has the better takes. I would not give way to that. No. <laughs> if I'm you. He has the stronger takes for sure. Okay. Maybe that's the word. He talks more, yeah. I think, is, is oh, the issue. Oh, for sure. Talks way more. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I wouldn't back down if I were you. Uh, the, the other thing that I want to get to before we get to the text line, this story came out yesterday, and I, it, I know I shouldn't care this much about it anymore, and I, I, I like to act like I don't, but the whole – we had the discussion on Tuesday's show after the national title game about you know, there's going to be an investigation now into Michigan, and there's clearly wrongdoing that took place, and you know, say, uh, Jim Harbaugh was suspended for six games. They fired two assistant coaches for this. You don't make these types of moves if nothing happened. And, and so it's very clear that what Michigan did gained them an on-field advantage. How can you reconcile letting them keep their national championship while also looking back 10 years ago and saying, we took Louisville's away for a scandal that, while immoral, had no effect on, on their play actually on the, on the court? Disagree. I said earlier this week, Mike, they were in better shape because they were staying active outside of practice. <laughs> well, that gives them that gives them an advantage. That's the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you're right. <laughs> but NCAA president Charlie Baker yesterday talking to the media kind of put to bed any notion that maybe Michigan would have its title stripped by the NCAA. He came out and said, in no uncertain terms, that Michigan's football's national championship was quote fair and square. And that his organization's unusual decision to share information about cheating allegations during the season should actually help to eliminate doubts about the legitimacy of the Wolverines' title run. Basically, he was like, we outed them for sign stealing and they just kept winning, so that means it's all fair and square. Which makes, I mean, if you were willing to strip awards and records and stuff because a player back in the day got paid $5,000 by a booster. They weren't playing any harder because of that $5,000. You know, it's not like they were just at that school because of that $5,000. It was just something that a dude with you know too much money and too much time on his hands was like, "Hey, I want to help out that kid because I like it's my school. I'm going to give him some money." And that never stopped the NCA from being like, "UMass didn't go to a final four. Somebody helped Derrick Rose uh, take his ACT at Memphis. Would he have gotten in? 
probably. The NCAA finds ways to clear everybody in this day and age. Certainly that didn't propel him to play any better, didn't change how Memphis got to the Final Four. They still took that away. Michigan, I mean, there's no guarantee that they would. They very clearly were doing things that helped them win games. Now, they were winning by lopsided scores. Does what they do? Does what they did after the Connor Stallion stuff broke lend credence to the case that they would have won those games anyway? Of course. They probably didn't need to cheat to win. They did. And there's no, you can't guarantee. It's like the whole Florida State argument. Like, do you think that they would have played better against Alabama? No, probably not. But we never know for sure. We don't know if Michigan would have beaten Rutgers without without the help of stuff or whoever they played while they were doing this sort of thing. You you can't just make this bold faced claim and say it was, it was fair and square. Um, Baker went on to say, "I don't regret doing the investigation because sitting on that information, given the comprehensiveness of it, I think we would have put everyone, including Michigan, in an awful place." At the end of the day, no one believes at this point that Michigan didn't win the national title fair and square, so I think we did the right thing. It is hilarious that they're saying our information that Michigan was doing something nefarious was so comprehensive, was so complete, that we couldn't possibly sit on it and be doing the right thing. And yet in the next breath, you're saying it's fair and square. We can't do anything about it. They've punished themselves enough. It makes just... It makes no sense to me. And I get that he's not Mark Emmert. It's a different administration. They've turned the page from that era that that punished Louisville so thoroughly for what they did in 2013. But my God, if if I'm Josh Hurd and I'm reading these quotes, I'm sneaking the banner back into the Yum Center tonight. <laughs> I'm having it up for the, the home game against NC State on Saturday. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, what, what are you going to do? Say we didn't win it fair and square? We did. We have more of a case than Michigan did. Now, it does bear repeating that the NCAA really has no control over the college football playoff. They technically are in charge of it, but they don't like the college football playoff is its own thing. It's why you say CFP champion and not NCAA champion. The the NCAA is very much in control of the men's basketball tournament and the women's basketball tournament, and, and so what they say kind of goes in a different way than what happens with the college football playoff and basically anything that happens with their postseason. So if they were to try and step in and rule, like Michigan could very easily be like. Whatever, like, like you know, we're we're putting up our CFP banner. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Um, whereas if we try to put our banner up, the NCAA can say you're going against our bylaws, and and we're going to keep you out of the NCAA tournament and all this stuff. It is a little bit different, but my God, they're acting like this is just this is okay. Whereas what Louisville did was the worst thing that's ever been done in terms of gaining a competitive advantage. Is it, it because, makes no sense? Is it because what Michigan was doing is more widely done throughout college college athletics as a whole than what Louisville did? First of all, I don't think that that's true. You don't think so? <laughs> no. I think that there's a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I I feel like that this goes on a whole lot more than what we know. Science stealing, for sure, goes on a lot. I, I think that when it comes to in-game science stealing, everybody's doing it. But that's also by the rules. Like, you're, you're allowed to do that. In terms of, like, hiring assistants to go and go to these games undercover and at times go to the sidelines undercover – the sidelines was just bold. Yeah, maybe it, it does, but this feels like a this feels like uncharted territory. I mean, I, I think that everybody does some stuff to try and gain a competitive advantage that is technically outside of the rules of the NCAA, but maybe not to this length. And, and you know, kind of along the same lines. I mean, Louisville maybe took it to a different level with just you know with having a you know employee, a member of the staff being involved in this. But 
to act like there aren't girls uh, on every campus for recruiting visits or a lot of campuses for recruiting visits, I think is a little bit naive. I don't know. It's just like, like I think what we all can agree on is the stuff with the, again, the Katina Powell stuff, nobody came to the school because of those girls. Nobody did. No, they're, they're, they don't even claim that. None of the players admit it. None of the, the women claim it. It's not in the book. Nothing like that. No player on that 2013 or 2012 team was recruited to Louisville with those women playing a part. And even if they had been, it didn't really gain them. A, a, there was no gained on-court advantage. It just it, It's silly to me that we're sitting here talking about banners coming down just because, hey, it's sex, it's gross, it's immoral, you, so you have to have banners stripped. I think it's dumb. But that's me. I'm admittedly jaded. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll take some more text from you guys before we break and come back for our last segment. Texture says, um, can you re-explain how you made this list of coaching candidates that you're picking by random numbers? Like when someone says 39, how is that connected to Fred? I missed it. Um, good question. We've been doing this for like a week now. Basically, it got to the point where every other text we were getting was like, what are you hearing about coaching candidates? What about this guy? What about this guy? Who's this? Who's that? And I can only say I haven't heard anything new so many times. So I was like, let's just, let's just make up coaching candidates. And we're going to pick random numbers based on the net rankings or Ken Palm or something else. Just to, it's any sort of rankings that are out there that I'm looking at that day. We're picking between a certain set of numbers. And I go to the ranking for that, that team, the, the numbers picked. And the head coach is the coaching candidate of the day. That's what we're hearing. There's buzz that they're interested and that Louisville's interested too. How long does this go before we get a repeat? Oh, it's a it's a good question. Three three more weeks, a month. Yeah, we've come close already. <laughs> It'll probably be next week before we get somebody to repeat. That that just means that I'm hearing more buzz about. Yeah, them. no doubt. That's where they get a leg up in the race. If if somebody picks Jawan in Michigan again next week, then you know Jawan Howard. The guy. He's doubling down. His agent really wants him to get this gig. Texas says moon terminology. Love this. Waxing means the visible part is getting bigger. Waning means it's getting smaller. And a gibbous moon is like the inverse of a crescent, three fourths moon. See, I'm a crescent guy. I don't even. I don't need to know anything about the gibbous moon. Gibbous is fun. Gibbous that's sucks. It's a fun thing to say. Gibbous. I don't, I don't even know if that's pronouncing it correctly. It could be gibbous. It could be jaboos. <laughs> Jabu. I have got no idea. But I'm, I'm. I'm a crescent man. That's all I know. Texture says. Uh, I always thought. The texture. What's a crazier TKism? His NBA take. His NBA take, i.e. saying Wembenyama was going to be a bust because he's a foreign player without watching any tape, or his one-hit wonder take, i.e. saying Lord is a one-hit wonder because he only likes one of her songs, even though she had two in the Billboard Top 10. <laughs> Trevor, he molds every take around like his personal preference and oh, definition. Yeah. I mean, he he openly dismissed Wembenyama when I first started talking about him, like two years before the last draft. He's like, he's going to suck. All the foreign players suck. And I'm like, that's such an old man take. It's been proven wrong the last few years with the Europeans coming in and kind of dominating. Like that's a take from 1999 that I feel I feel like has been worked out of the sports consciousness. And, and then yeah, the you know me saying like Lord's not a one-hit wonder and you know, he, she's got two top 10 songs that by definition makes her not a one-hit wonder and he's like, "Well, I only know one of them." So that that's what matters. I'm like, "Well, it's not it's not necessarily about you." Texas, I always thought that bat and putt was a front because you can't convince me that so many people went to the batting cage and the putt-putt that much on Dixie Highway for as long as it stayed open. I went there. There were very few putt-putts. There still were very few putt-putts in yeah. Louisville, and that was one of them. Isn't there one open in about Topgolf? Yeah, well, there's a, is that a 
Like an indoor putt-putt. Yeah, it's, it's like a super like yeah. kind of crazy putt-putt, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. But like, there used to be the one over by the old um, Toys R Us off Shelbyville Road that I went to all the time growing up. You could putt at the very end, the last putt. You lost your ball, but if you hit it in the clown's nose, you got like a free game. Come on. I used to dream about like making that putt. And one time I thought I did, and I was like, I think I made it in the nose. It was like, it was so close. And they were like, the siren goes off when you make it. So you didn't. That's the worst part. I of, wanted to cry. That's the worst part about putt putt on that last hole. Your ball just goes back just to barren. the clubhouse. It's sad as It's hell. like I wanted to putt two more times, three more times. It's like, it, it, dang it. You want to you you want to finish right. You want to go off on a high note, but you also just don't want to lose that ball. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I used to like I never made it in that clown's nose, and then it shut down forever, and I was crushed. Mm. But yeah, when she, when the, the the lady working who probably was like fifteen years old in my mind, she was like fifty five. She's like, it makes an alarm if you make it in the nose. I was like, my life is a lie. I'm done. I'm so embarrassed. I thought I was glowing. Uh, it was terrible. Then there's the one in Fern Creek that has like the animals. That's a cool one. The park in Middletown has a has a putt putt. We just go there sometimes. I, I love a good putt putt. There was a time we we Mary and I before we had kids took a trip to Boston, which was a lot of fun, and we went to Yankees Red Sox game, which was a blast. You know, did saw all the stuff in Boston. And then we went up to like Cape Cod and, and you know, kind of rode around there and looked at some stuff. Spent a, a couple of days there, driving around, and like we were doing a lot of stuff that she wanted to do. Like she'd seen a lot of stuff on Instagram. Like I want to go eat at this restaurant. I want to go visit this place. Look at this lighthouse. And like we're driving back, and like we we drove past this like huge putt putt. And I was like, I kind of want to go to that putt putt. And she's like, We've done a lot of my stuff. You want, I did like a U turn in the middle of this road. I was like, We're gonna play some putt putt right now. <laughs> and it was great. It was a blast. I love putt. And she beat you. She did not. She thought she was going. She actually tried to cheat too. I, I still, <laughs> I waxed her by like seven strokes. It was bad. Texas says, uh, "My conspiracy theory is that the U of L board of trustees is still really UK sleeper cells." Um, I don't think that's a good one. I think the board of trustees now is pretty good. Are there still some potential sleeper cells at U of L? Yeah. In athletics, yeah, but the board, I think, are good. Texas says. Am I crazy to say that this team is much better offensively without Trey White just dribbling with his head down into traffic, hunting his own shots every couple possessions? It does feel like things flow a lot better with Trey White not playing. He, I've said this before, I I maintain this. I think Trey White is a good piece in the right system with the right group of guys around him. I don't think he's a good fit on this Louisville team. Like he played pretty, he was pretty damn good last year on a USC team that was good enough to make the NCAA tournament easily. He earned all Pac-12 honors for a reason. There were a lot of guys that had NBA draft buzz around him. But what he does well, I, like, I think you have to play second or third fiddle for that to work. Like he's a, He needs space to operate. He's not a super athletic guy all on his own. I think he's a good finisher around the rim, but he struggles to get around guys. He's not a good outside shooter. He's shooting like 24% from three this year. But he is a good mid-range shooter. He just has to get those open looks. I think if you get him in the right in the right offense where you can run sets to get him open for like a 15-footer, that can work for him. We just don't play that style of basketball. And it does feel a lot of times like he's a, you know, he's a, a square peg trying to go into a round hole on this team. So without him, it does kind of feel like the spacing's better. The offense has flown has flowed a little bit better. Now it's just it's only been a couple of games. We'll see what happens when he comes back. I think you need him more than you you you, you feel like you get an upgrade without him. But we'll find out. Texas, in regards to player props, you can make serious bank on the over of Sky Clark turnovers on ESPN bets. 
Last night it was two and a half. If you saw how much I made over the past few games, you could have paid off both yours and Mary's student <laughs> loans. Um, yeah, I didn't. They don't have those types. They they have three pointers on DraftKings. I saw that for Sky Clark. He was on there last night, but they don't do turnovers. At least I haven't seen that yet. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to as many texts as we can, and then we'll look ahead to the night uh, that, that will be in the world of sports. We'll also say goodbye to Scoots. It's the last show after a busy, busy week Woo-hoo. with us. Uh, he's got 30 minutes left. He's going to totally coast into the, uh, <laughs> the Thursday night. Coast in with us. Keep it locked right here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. So forgive me for what I'm about to say. Big deal. So what? Who cares? You just got lucky. That's all. It was. Shut up. Is this you putting a capper on the conversation? Capper on the conversation. It's all beautiful day. So happy. At the end of the day, though, it's big deal. So what? It's all luck. It's all, it's all luck. <laughs> I enjoy that. That's, a, that's good producing, Scoots. Thanks. It's making a point without saying it yourself. It's well done. Speaking through music. Leanne Rhymes said it for me. I know Leanne Rhymes. Oh, yeah. Blue. Remember that? She was good. She was good. She, was, she burst on the scene at a very young age. She did. Ahead of her time. By the way, speaking of country music, did you by any chance see the uh, Garth Brooks situation? No. With the, uh, so he had, uh, there was a lady in the crowd at his latest Scott concert. Chris no, so she had a sign that said, chemo this morning, Garth Brooks tonight, I'm enjoying the dance or whatever. Uh-huh. And he stops the concert, pulls her up to this, or doesn't pull her onto the stage, but gets her up to the stage, gives her his guitar and all this, and oh, nice. takes her sign, signs it for, and then holds it up to the crowd and gives like a, a nice little speech about how life's great and all this stuff. So it was it was a cool moment. It, it damn near had me in tears last night. Mm. I, I thought, love Garth. I was very worried that you were setting that up for there to be like a big heel turn. Oh, it no. Like, it turns out she actually was just using it. I was like, oh. I'm not Trevor. That's good. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. Just a, a good heartwarming story. Yeah. It's, it's a nice turn on the show. Go Garth. Go Garth. I'm a Garth guy. Same. Not on Spotify. I, I just wish he would. Yeah. I wish he would release his music catalog. That's the one thing I hate about Garth. It's annoying. What's your favorite Garth Brooks song? Uh, the Friends in Low Places. Not even close. Not even close. Much too young guy. Okay. I can get behind that. Worn out tape of Chris Ledoux. Lonely women and bad booze. But I like Unanswered Prayers would be my number two. It's a good song. Great song. 502-414-1450 is the the last segment of the show. If you've got thoughts that you want to have heard on the radio today, make them known now. We'll uh, we'll do that, and then we'll pick some winners for uh, a couple of bets out there. All right? Hey, I'm going to throw out a couple bets that I feel good about. We'll make it happen. Texture says, don't let TJ see this, LMAO. And it says, ranking the offensive play callers in college football after week 18. It's got Matt LaFleur at number two. He's, he hates LaFleur, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He said that because he texted during the show last week when I was talking about, like, I, and I stand by this, I would have rather played the Packers than the Rams this week. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Packers, I know they beat us on Thanksgiving. I know that they're you know they've been playing better as of late, but the Rams are red hot. They've got Stafford, all this good stuff. And he texts, he's like, "You're right to have that opinion." Matt Lafleur stinks, <laughs> and I was like, I, I feel like I've heard him rail on the Packers a little bit over the years. And 
He loves the Packers, just not LaFleur. LaFleur, number two play caller in the NFL behind only Mike McDaniel, according to these rankings. Your guy Ben Johnson sitting there at number eight. He's good. He's, I, I, I think Lions fans are much happier with Ben Johnson than Packers fans are with, with uh, Matt LaFleur. So we'll see what happens this weekend. I Every prediction that I see from anybody like nationally is taking the, the Rams to beat the Lions. I'm, mm. I, I, I'm, I'm terrified. My confidence is low. If it weren't for this waxing crescent moon, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be in, in a low place. But I'm, I'm still excited. I'm keeping the faith. I'm hoping for the best. But I hate the draw. I hate the draw. I, I hate playing the Rams in this game. Text says, are we ruling out the possibility of the Miami Mall aliens taking the basketball team's talent? Maybe that's what happened. Maybe. You see that story? No. Last week? There were all, all these people were like flooding out of a Miami Mall, and there was all these reports that there were like three tall aliens that had taken over the mall. Where's the proof? No, there, there were no proof. It was a bunch of juveniles acting like juveniles. <laughs> Texas, is there any truth to Nolan's sister's trash talking about Diener on Twitter? I did see this exchange. Um, Drew's back on Twitter, and he was saying something. He, he, he was basically saying, like, kind of calling out the win and being like, this is nothing good. And then Nolan, uh, Nolan Smith's sister was made a reference to like the domestic violence thing. The, 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 the truth, I mean, that's it was a very public story. Like, like Drew had a, a run-in with a an old, uh, with, I guess his girlfriend at the time. Uh, charges were dropped, so who knows? You know, not casting any aspersions, but she did make a reference to it, and people went went nuts about it. It was <laughs> it was the the back and forth exchange of the day. We can't even celebrate a win without having something like you know, like this. Fan base divided. Texas says, I would rate my smile after last night's game equivalent to seeing five Allen electrical trucks in my neighborhood. <laughs> kind of smiled? Because you know you're getting the best. <laughs> Texas says, Mike, you shouldn't ever compare the Louisville-Kentucky basketball programs. Here we go. Not even on the same stratosphere. Also, know the top 25 team finished this football season like you all did. We saw what happened when you play good teams. Whoops. Well, we beat two top 25 teams. So, Great first text, buddy. Angry guy. <laughs> Coming in hot again. New, new number. Yeah. Texas, I've lived in Louisville my whole life. Played NCAA football game around 2009, 2010 with Ja'Cory Harris and became a Miami fan too. This is, the, this is the Miami slash Louisville fan. Didn't watch sports until the Orange Bowl when I was 10 or so. I didn't know any of the Miami L history. Well, educate yourself. Hmm. Oh, 04 game. Ruin. Texas, Trevor taking off tomorrow. No shock. The listeners don't pay your salary for you to just take off whenever you please. We're here for your takes on movies made before I was born, NBA coaches, and your mispronunciations. That's right. Mm, listeners don't pay the salary, though. I think he's joking. He's also not here for Trevor's takes on movies or NBA coaches or mispronunciations. I didn't 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 read it that way. <laughs> it's fine. Texas, our guy Donovan Mitchell was cooking in Paris. 45 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 steals and a win. He and Terry Rozier both have been lights out recently. In Paris? Yeah, they're playing. They're, they're over there in France. Are they really? Expanding the game. Broaden the game. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. He's having a great year. I mean, he and Rozier both could be all-stars. No, Terry probably won't because... I all, saw Terry had a good game last night. All-stars, it's kind of like a popularity thing. You know, it's 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 fan vote. It's all that stuff. And But Terry's he's averaging like 34 points a game or something over the last couple of weeks. He's been balling out of control. His team sucks. They keep losing, yeah. but he's uh, he, he's very good. Terry's a beast. Terry's the man, too. I mean, th- th- this gives me a chance to go on my, like, Terry Rozier tangent real quickly. You know, college sports especially basketball i think lends itself to all these stories about kids that come from from bad backgrounds and and talking to some coaches that were at uofl and coaches at other programs they're like you know some kids it's almost like a badge of honor like they play it up how bad things were where they came from and you know it's like people talk about 
with, with ex addicts, a lot of times there's this whole like it's kind of like a quiet competition in rehab. Like, well, I had it so bad that I was doing this and all this stuff, and, and they were like a lot of times the kids are just you know they come from from bad homes, but they're they're playing it up a little bit. Every Louisville coach will tell you Terry Rozier came from like the worst situation you can imagine, like like the the worst of the worst. Never brought it up, never was like telling horror stories behind closed doors, never was trying to use it as any sort of excuse. I mean, you know, his dad was a, his whole family at one point was on a hit list because of his dad engaging in some some activity that, that got them, had a target on their back. It's why they moved out of, you know, where they were living. It's why they moved out of the Cleveland area and all this stuff. And, you know, to see him go from that to the level of success that he's had has been, it's awesome. Like, that's a true, great um, American dream story. Like, he, like, he, he deserves it as much as anybody who's come through that program. And anybody who's on that coaching staff will tell you he worked as hard, if not harder, than any other player that ever has played for UofL. Like, Terry Rozier's the man. Texas says, apologies if you already covered this. Do you think the win over Miami vaults us up to a two or a, full, or a three seed for the NCAA tournament? Yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> Texas says, Scoots said today that he hated naysayers and couldn't stand naysayers. Stop. Texas says, uh, Mike, Louisville wins the title in football or Detroit wins the Super Bowl one day. Which one are you more likely to get a tattoo of? Scoot, same question for you with Indiana football and or basketball. I feel like the Lions winning the Super Bowl is more likely than Louisville winning a title in football. Just because like the NFL, you know, with, with the, the, the salary cap and stuff, it's kind of there's more of an opportunity for you to go from being historically one of the have-nots to one of the haves, and you're kind of seeing that with the Lions right now. You have, you maybe have less of a window than some of the big franchises, but you, you can get it done. Um, would I get a tattoo if the Lions won the Super Bowl? Probably not. So I, I said for the longest time that I wouldn't get a tattoo until it was something that meant something to me, so that would that would have been an Indiana basketball championship for the longest time. That's what I wanted first. Then I had nieces and nephews, but yeah, if I was gonna get one, I would I would get the Indiana tattoo over the Steelers. I've seen the Steelers win a Super Bowl, and I didn't get a tattoo. So, yeah, uh, Mike Norvell has tweeted out looks like uh, about an hour ago. Great day to be a Florida State Seminole. Big man coming to the Knoll family and Tribe Twenty Four. Future is bright in Tallahassee. Keep climbing. I don't know if that's a direct denial of the rumors of him taking the Alabama job, but there's that. Coach K is also. Why is Coach K trending? Is he coming to Louisville? <laughs> No, well, I guess people are just making fun of him because he did the the full year like drawn out tour, whereas Nick Saban was like, "I'm done." Just brief, yeah. briefly, mm-hmm. Texas Mike really wants to have the opportunity to stress out over his inevitable death before it happens. I do. I I, I want to make peace with with leaving the earth. <laughs> I want to you know I want to be able to talk to people, make amends. Of course, you know by that point when I'm 156, most people will have already died. But with uh, modern advances in in, in medicine. Who knows? Maybe we're all going to live to be 150. I'm doing the Bryson DeChambeau, where he's like, I think people are going to live to be 200. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't want it to be quick. I don't. Texas says, uh, TJ texted in. TJ? Says Scoots is thinking that he'd stay asleep during a plane crash. Everyone's screaming their lungs out, and Scoots just dreaming of watching Pawn Stars with Gil or an IU Elite <laughs> It's a good point. I think you'd probably you'd wake up for yeah, at least part of it. The, the screams would probably wake me up. That's a good point. Or the plane just, I don't know, bursting into flames. You'd, probably, you'd be awake for some of it. I don't think you could just sleep right until you're dead. I think my hope was everybody else would be asleep, too. Well, <laughs> or Like the Gambia soccer team. Did you see that? No. They took a flight from Gambia to they were supposed to play Senegal some they're in some sort of tournament. But they had to turn around and do an emergency landing like twelve minutes into the flight because the plane's 
lost cabin pressure and oxygen. Oh god! So a bunch of the teammate or the team members like passed out unconscious, and they're still dealing with it like three, four days later. Well, yeah, it's horrifying. And they the the whoever runs their soccer program over there tr- tried to book them on that same plane, <laughs> and the players and coach were like, "Yeah, we're not what going. What are you doing? We're not going. We're going to fly commercial. We're not playing in the tournament. We'll drive. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's." Uh- a misstep. Get right. somebody in charge of your day-to-day operations. No kidding. Come on. Texas, I'm a spirit child of the big green man flying in the sky. He's a legion. A 1-4 will be scorched on the earth. I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what that nope. means. No clue. Texas says, uh, Mike, I'm terrified of death too, especially when I see a random grave of someone from like the 1600s. Even that was relatively recent in the grand scheme of things. It was. You're right. Texas, to add to conspiracy theory Thursdays, do you think that KP spirit children are somehow connected to the waxing crescent? There's clearly some connection because they're playing great basketball in a waxing crescent. But as far as what that connection is, I don't know. I don't, I don't, maybe we won't know until we reach some sort of form of heightened enlightenment. I'll find out more when I start reading about moon children after we win two games this weekend. Texas says, any word on if Kimber going to Penn State means Quincy Riley's coming back? Talked about that. Um, I, I think if you're reading the tea leaves, it would seem to be a, a solid indication. I am worried that there have been so much buzz over the past week that Quincy was going to announce that he's coming back, and it hasn't happened yet. I'm not sure what the holdup is there, but it does make me a little bit worried. But Kimber going to Penn State, I'm willing to say 2 plus 2 equals 4, and it seems to be good news for Riley coming back. But if he doesn't, then you have to go out there and get a couple cornerbacks for sure. Texas, my elation for the players last night and the clips that came out of even Kenny, it felt good to be a happy fan for the night. Yeah, for sure. Um, Texas says, don't read it on uh, Probably shouldn't uh, read it on air. If it says don't read it on air? Yeah. Who do you? <laughs> Texas, if Kenny Payne is the coach next year, we are all absolutely living in some kind of alien-controlled social experiment. Maybe. maybe The aliens, are, maybe that's why we're getting all these reports. They just want to see how much Louisville fans can take. <laughs> Texas says, Scoots' country music is top tier. Over the 80s pop hits and the obscure TV soundtracks that Trevor usually plays, if I have to hear Charles in Charge one more time on this show, I just don't know if I can take it. <laughs> I think we have this show being on the air for two and a half years has exhausted Trevor's music compilation. Like, there's only we've, we've, there's some songs where he's playing like five and six times now. He just he, he, the well's dry. I, I do appreciate that compliment. I I think my country music is top tier as well. Although today hasn't been the best, but I was going with the theme here, people. Yeah, they were all beautiful songs. Texas Stanford women's basketball is killer, though. They are. like That will be a gigantic addition for the, the AC women's uh, conference, which the ACC women's is, is kind of crushing it right now. Texas says, remember that when Lorenzo Malden got hit by that car, that was wild. Yeah, he was on the, the scooter. He was on the moped. Scooter. I forgot about that story. That was wild. Texas says, you could really feel how badly the guys wanted to win last night, and it was great that they finally finished the game, especially on the road. Hopefully they hear the love and not the people saying Miami sucks and it is an NIT team, which they do. And are, but that's beside the point. That's agree. Like it's totally like whenever people are doing this stuff where it's like you know they won last night, but it sucks because of this, this, and this. You're not wrong. It's just you know maybe we just put these thoughts away for just a day. Just enjoy a victory for it's three hours. We've got two full months to keep doing the whole like everything's bad and we're gonna get a new coach soon. Like we've already been doing that for a month and we got two more months of it. Let's have one day where we're like, hey, they won a game. Good for them. And maybe if we're lucky, get two more, two, three, four more days mixed in there. Yeah. Texas, if Michigan gets to keep their title, Louisville needs their 2013 banner, and Reggie Bush needs his Heisman back. Agree on both. Yeah, Reggie Bush, I did love the 
yeah, they, somebody sent a picture of Caleb Williams like penthouse in Los Angeles. He's got I mean it's it's like a million dollar penthouse that he's living in right now as he's technically a college student. But Reggie Bush got his Heisman taken away because somebody gave him like his mom like a seventy five thousand dollar house to live in while he was in college. This is the Titanic tattoo guy. I heard you all talking about that. I guess that was last week. Yeah, and I had not seen seen the picture. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's real and it's beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. Texas, the NCAA publicly granting mitigating factors to Michigan to say everything is fair and square is amazing after lying about it to Louisville throughout an investigation in which Louisville towed the line and agreed under false pretenses to do everything that the NCAA asked of them because they thought it would benefit them. They didn't just deny that that Louisville, you know, had things that should have been taken into account as, as mitigating factors. They admitted it after Louisville's appeal and were like, yeah, you're right. You did things that we should have taken into account that should have lessened your punishment. By our own bylaws, we screwed up and we didn't acknowledge those. And as a result, we're changing nothing about our punishment. They basically were like, you know, our answer is bleep you. That's why. Like that, That's exactly what they did to us. And it's, uh, it's insane. Texas says, crazier factoid that Louisville won at Miami or that Jim Laranega is younger than Leonard Hamilton. I mean, Leonard, what? Leonard looks incredible. Leonard doesn't age. That is, that is crazier. Jim Holy Lair- smokes. Laranega is one of those guys who started looking really old really early in life, and so they just like stay old. Like you, <laughs> you, you, You've thought Jim Laranega has been 72 for the last 30 years. Sure. Yeah. And Leonard Hamilton looks like he's 44 every year. Texas bat and putt was my go-to. I was never good at baseball, but that, that putt-putt was my childhood. I went there five times as much as that other putt-putt spot. I like bat and putt, too. Texas, the park in Middletown is closed. It's a doggy daycare now. That's right. I forgot that that happened. I was a big park in Middletown guy growing up. Love the go-karts. Friends would jump into the uh, the pool with the electric cart, and they'd let us ride for free. It was great. You got there's putt putt in one of the, like the uh, gaming places, right? Like a main event or one of them has it. Do they? Yeah. There's the like three hole putt. Oh, putt. Malibu Jacks. They I think it's there. They have the big putt putt course. Frankfurt Avenue Beer Depot has like a three hole mini really? course in the back. It's all <laughs> torn up and and, and doesn't work. But me get, and TJ went there it. not too long ago. I love Beer Depot. It's great. It was good. Thanks to the batting cage and putt-putt off Dixie and Preston. National Turnpike had the weird basketball backboards, a.k.a. the hexagons. Remember that one took me to the all-star status as a young lad. We went there one day for a friend's birthday party, and he, on his birthday, like hit his head on one of the sides of like those crazy <laughs> backboards and cut it, and we had to go to the emergency room. Like His birthday party, we all just went to the immediate care center. Nice. It was terrible. Texas says, it's so endearing how naive Scoots is. I am I, naive at times. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Ch- I, don't, I don't know what this is referring to, but. Childlike wonder. Texas, I'm only 26, so this was before my time, but I was laughing my ass off at your tweet with the Liberty Bowl anthem music video. I wish there was a longer version. Oh, there once was a, a full version of that, of uh, the Liberty Bowl anthem. It's gone? It's been erased from, from history. I mean, why does that happen with Louisville media I don't stuff? know. So, like, well, this was 2000, this was 2000 when we first went to the Liberty Bowl, I think. And the Get Down crew came out with the Liberty Bowl anthem. We're in the Liberty Bowl. And then the next year, when we went back and we actually won it, they came back with the the less talked about Rolling to the Liberty Bowl, uh, the the sequel. And I bought a copy of it from from one of the guys in like a White Castle. It, it, <laughs> it was great, and we listen to it all the time. We gonna roll to the Liberty Bowl. Two years in a row this year, we bringing it home. And they were right. We won. They called their shot, and they were correct. But the the music video with John L. Smith is is a classic, and I'll I'll never stop utilizing it. Texas, you know we should just get Peter LaFleur to coach. Sure. Texas says, 
I like San Francisco team total over 77.5 points, as well as Milwaukee Bucks, Central Arkansas, Tulane, and Oregon State to cover. There you go. There's some big X, big bets for you. Wow. Texas says, Mike's biggest, biggest fear, even more than dying in aliens, is dying by aliens. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's the ultimate fear, is getting tortured by aliens and then ultimately being killed. Fire in the Sky, scariest movie of all time. Terrifying. Horrible. Awful. Texas Lorenzo got hit while on a scooter. Hmm, sounds like it might be a dingus. <laughs> dingus. Oh, no. Texas Scoots is so naive that he thinks Jalen Mon- No, come on. <laughs> Somebody already made that joke earlier. I guess that... Does that come... Okay. Do you remember, did you see that, that clip? I, ne- I never watched the clip, so that's where the naysayers thing comes from, I guess. Yes. Okay. He has length tattooed, which is you know, let a, a naysayer know, according to, but most people believe that the N stands for something else. Oh, and, okay. And when Reese Davis read it out loud, like everybody was like, on the set was like, <sighs> like we were very nervous <laughs> for you when you started when you started giving the spiel. Uh, it was very very funny. Texas, I've been contemplating how Scoots multiple times now over the past year has alluded that he can't fight, which my assumption would be you do not have the greatest of pain tolerances, would like to go out being mauled and eaten by an animal. You're alive while you're being eaten alive. <laughs> you did kind of contradict yourself by saying like you wanted to be sort of quick and then yeah, no, also saying you wanted yeah. to be mauled alive well, by I an mean, animal. I mean, I do want it to be quick, but I want there to, more so than quick, I want the better story to tell. And the, well, you're dead. You're not going to be able to tell it anyway. Well, no, but the, what if it's there's people around me? They're, oh, they're going to pass on the legends of Scooter Dingus. You're he dead. Got, you get to got enjoy attack, none of that. He got attacked by... I know, but everybody else gets to enjoy it, and that'll give me peace. You're dead. You don't have peace. You're gone. <laughs> I'll be watching from up above. Well, there you go. If you're, yeah, <laughs> in, in the... Or down below. <laughs> um, all right. I, I've got two big X big bets for today. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Yeah, I've got my pen ready. Um. I'm going with this one. Both are kind of off the beaten path, all right? Give me Towson minus four and a half tonight. They're, uh, they're, they're on the road. Uh, they're home taking on Stony Brook. Towson's a better team. They've played very well at home. They're going to be a force in the CAA this year. Stony Brook, I love the Seawolves. Love my guy. Shout out to Jamil Warney. They're not going to get it done tonight. Towson covers the four and a half. That's the first one. Second one. Again, kind of off the beaten path. We're going to the West Coast today. We're going to Cal State Northridge on the road, taking on UC Davis. Northridge is 3-0 in the Big West. UC Davis, shout out to the old uh, Sorority Girl show on MTV. They're 3-1 in the Big West. Northridge is not getting enough respect in this game. Five-point underdogs I think is way, way too much. Northridge is is 8-0 against the spread on the road this season. How about that? 8-0 8-0 against the spread in road games this season. Northridge makes that 9-0. They get the cover tonight. Two big X big bets for you right there. I like it. Take I, it to the bank. I'm playing them. I'm going to I'm gonna couple those two with the five that the texter sent in, and we'll see what kind of payday we can get out of that. There you go. A uh, couple of uh, – we have three nationally ranked games tonight. Only one uh, of kind of real note. Michigan State struggling still a little bit uh, in, the, in the Big Ten. They're on the road taking on number 10 Illinois, who's still adjusting to life without Terrence Shannon. Both teams limping into this game a little bit, but Illinois is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. Scoots, who do you like? Uh, I'll, t- I'll go roll with the whole home team here. Give me Illinois. I keep thinking that Michigan State's going to like wake up. Like I, I bet on them over the weekend to cover against Northwestern. They, they beat Baylor by 20. They did. They, they, they got down early to, to Northwestern, and I was like, the, the live bet was, I think, 10.5 or something along those lines. And I'm like, they're good. 
they'll wake up. Like they, they've they've got a run in them, and they lose by fourteen to a Northwestern's pretty good. Northwestern's up and down. Like, I don't I don't know what to think of them. Uh, Illinois, by the way, beat Northwestern by thirty. So if you think if you think Northwestern's pretty good, maybe take Illinois to win tonight uh, at home, which is what I'm doing. I, I say the line. I cover the three and a half. Um, go Brad Underwood. Go Illinois. Get it done. Anyway, tomorrow we're wrapping the week. Rashawn Myers will be in studio. I'm sure we'll talk about plenty more hoops. Maybe we'll have some football notes to get to. Enjoy your Thursday night. We'll see you guys back here at 3 o'clock. Go Cards.